Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Have you met Tim Robbins yet in this honor? <laughs> It's for kids. Have you met Susan Sarandon yet? The joke is they used to be married. <laughs> and they broke up. I for, I told you on this very podcast that, that Susan Sarandon has voice on it. But it was only for... I was talking to her in the game, but I'm like, wait, are you fucking kidding Did me? Did you know she Susan was in the Sarandon? game? I talked to you <laughs> about it on this very podcast. I you were talking about Dishonor in is the game. the sentence I said right <laughs> before you asked me that question. I, I didn't realize this game existed until seven days ago. Hey everybody, it's the Boy Hattie Podcast where Bill blocks out everything I have ever said to him. I just get tunnel vision. <laughs> I am the worst, you know, when people talk about the worst, like most people when they have conversations, they don't pay attention to what the other person says. They're just waiting for their chance to talk. I'm the living embodiment of that where I'm just like kind of staring dead like fish eye, just like <laughs> I can Me feel my now. I can feel my DNA slipping away from my chromosomes as I, as someone else is talking talk longer now. and longer. <laughs> Me talk now. Yeah. But yeah, no, Susan Sarandon in Dishonored. <laughs> Spoilers for Dishonored, Susan Sarandon's in it. We don't have that much to talk about uh, Dishonored though, because neither of us have played very much of it. Yeah, we're both barely in the first mission of the game because that game is so rich and has so much to do. Bill is busy and Annie's scared. <laughs> That is true. So here's my, here's my, um, my, the true fact about me. I have always had a lot of trouble playing first person games. I forgot it's the first person thing as much as, because this isn't necessarily a scary game, but it is a very environmental, very, what's it called? Atmospheric? Yeah. Yeah. I always have had trouble playing first person games. And we're talking like, I'm not just talking about like, oh, you know, like doom and shit. I'm talking about like mist. Even mist made me paranoid. How'd you do with Portal? It took me, with every first person game, there is a period of, I'm going to say about an hour and a half to two hours where I have to get over it all over again. Yeah. Every time. Like when um, I picked up Bioshock 2. Yeah, because you just played that earlier this summer. It's not like that was a long I, time ago. I yeah. played that like for, I kept starting to play it and then stopping it because I get freaked out. What it is is I feel like I have blinders on and like I can't. Well, it's because the way the game is, you can't see around you. You have no idea what's going on behind you, and that paranoia so that kind of, seeps into my re, like my sense of reality. That's funny because it's kind of a matter of perception. Because like if if you're playing a game of third person mode, like mm-hmm. you're playing Fallout, the switch from uh, from third person to first person isn't that huge in terms of no. what you can see or can't see. It's all psychological. You can see more. Yeah, it's all psychological because you really can't like. Well, you can't pivot the camera around as easily as if, it, if it's a third person camera. If You're a guy of, is coming up behind me, I'm going to be more likely to see it in third person than I will in first. Yeah, that's what it boils down. But to. But I love first person games just because they feel more like immersive. That more par- realistic. that sense of paranoia seeps into my non gaming life. Like, to, it gives me, it makes me feel freaked out for easily 15 minutes after I play the game. When you're at work, you're worried that you can't see all the guards? <laughs> Pretty much! <laughs> it really freaks me out. And I, I've gotten better. It used yeah. to be a lot worse. It used to be that I could not play first-person games. Like, I joked when, um, like, the when I, I wanted to replay Bio, the first Bioshock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the only, actually, another thing about it, Foley and I had just gotten together. And she, I sat in her lap. So she was behind me. And it made me feel a lot better. No, that's like, not no totally wrong. I don't mean to make that kind of face at you. <laughs> but no, it made me it made me feel so much better because it's all about tricking my brain into 
being okay with it. Yeah. But I, so Dishonored in particular, because it's all about stealth and making sure no one sees you, like, that, that paranoia is in game. Oh, yeah, no, like, even that aside, I can totally understand that, because, like, yeah, you have to be, like, super low-key sneaky dude. Yeah. Sneaky Pete! I keep on calling the game Sneaky Pete. Just because you're <laughs> sneaky. And if you're gonna be sneaky, it seems like a guy named Pete would be the guy... I'm sorry, that's gonna make some noise. I'm gonna put the the, the mic on a thingy. Anyway, but yeah, no, uh, what were we saying? So, Susan Tarantino? Game, the game gives me the Wiggins. So you kept yeah. starting to play it and then stopping it. Because, like, starting so there's nothing that's really it. scary in the game, but no. I could just see the... It's just it's just first person. The mechanics me. of the game just kind of yeah. yeah. I'm enjoying the fuck out of it though. I love the art direction. I really like all the character designs. You never played much of the Half Life game. Oh, uh, Half Life Two, did you? Because like man, no, this game... because that sense of paranoia drove me crazy. That you does, just got it reminds from me a lot Half-Life, of Half Life. Yeah, I mean, it does remind me a lot of Half Life Two. You got your copy of the orange box back. I did. Still a long time ago when Annie and I used to live together. Or no, wait, well, you was, lived across the yeah, street. Yeah, I lived across the street. Uh, Annie, did you borrow my copy of the I orange did. box? She lost it. What? Well, it just must have got like lost under the couch or something like that. And so she bought me another copy of the orange box. Like I didn't even guilt trip. I was just like, whatever. You, t- you don't. You don't remember that? You guilt tripped the fuck out of me, dude. Did I? Yes. And you made fun of me about it all the time. <laughs> hey, look, what's that the is why box? I don't so much borrow you one disc. <laughs> I don't borrow anything from you oh, anymore. It's funny because you can buy it now for like... You give me shit about things all the time. <laughs> it's fun to give shit for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, but then uh, you bought me another copy of the orange box. And I played it twice. <laughs> but then, no, and then uh, the people who were moving out of Annie's old place last week, they found Annie's like five-year-old copy of the orange box like underneath the couch. Yeah. And so suddenly I had... And, well, they gave it to me because Annie wasn't around. So I had two copies of the orange box. And then I gave you... The old lost copy now. So now you own Half Life Two. Cool story, story, bro. It. I'm just saying you should go straight because like uh, this is totally like. Uh, well, it's just, I didn't realize it's the same art designer from Half Life Two. I told you this on this very podcast until you told me on this very podcast <laughs> like weeks ago. That's one of, the, one of the weird things about Dishonored that I actually don't care much for is the fact that like it shares the same aesthetic of City Seventeen in uh, in, in Half Life Two of uh, City Seventeen. Uh, did you? How much of that did you even play? Just like maybe an hour. Or I so? didn't get not past the trains. With the train station, that is, seriously, that is like the first like not yeah. even fifteen, maybe ten minutes of the game. No, oh no no I no 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 because it's not that there's the train yards because yeah. it starts off in a train station. Yeah, but then there's you see the whole thing with the yeah. teleportation. You meet yeah. Alex. Yeah, uh, so I got all that far. And, and the train and then yards is basically your first... the game starts, yeah. and I was like, "Fuck this!" That's the first I'm time you actually have to. And all you have is the crowbar. I'm not very good at shooters. Is there an easy mode? I can't remember if there's an easy mode on the Xbox version of the Orange if Box. If there was, I had it on and I still sucked and um, it wasn't fun and no, I No, but like, uh, well, anyway, City 17 in, 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 in Half-Life 2 is this, like, eastern block city that has been taken over by aliens. Well, technically the whole world's been taken over, but in the game just takes place in this city. So it's this eastern block city that's been taken over by aliens and it's all been retrofitted with these mm-hmm. giant hunks of metal and shit. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's never explained, but it's just, oh, it's just alien shit. Just kind of kind of makes everything look kind of post-apocalyptic and futuristic futuristicy, which they kind of do because it's the same art designer from dishonored there's a little bit of that going on in this game you where it's kind of arbitrarily just metal shit well the, the dude the, all of it makes sense to me 
That's what I'm I'm really impressed with. No, there's a lot of duct metal duct work and stuff like that, which makes sense because it's yeah. kind of like a slightly kind of steampunky world and you're going to have like crazy duct work and stuff. But there's occasionally you just be walking down the street and there'll just be a giant slab of metal sticking out of the side of a building that you, it's not even there for you to climb. It's just there because it looks cool and it just like something totally out of Half-Life where it's just random metal shit sticking out of the side of a building because it's the same guy did Half-Life 2. Everything. If that's the worst thing I can say about a game is complain about those random metal slabs yeah. hanging See, from the building. all buildings. of it to me so far that I have encountered feels like an industrial island city that has been abruptly become super fascist well, and has all super this... fascist and also this uh, city they're so freaked out by this other what is it the, uh, the outsider character the outsider the guy who's giving you all your powers who seems to be a combination of like the god and the devil i guess yeah. that they're uh dude doing... he's the devil they're crazy it's pretty transparent it? that he's the devil why do you not use the heart the heart thing here what she has to say what does she say that's my favorite mechanic in the whole game, and you never use it. You only use it to track I down bone like charms, I don't like using the heart. Dude, I love that shit. The heart screams all the time. So. My, my wife <laughs> gave me shit. You walk around with a heart in a hundred years. Hey! <laughs> the, okay, the sound. The sound. It all the time. The sound that it emits all the time is really annoying. I will give you that. <laughs> but literally my number one favorite thing to do in video games is to read, like emails and shit and read letters from people and that heart all it does is tell you secrets about places and people is everyone unique like is every character Pretty in the game much. have a unique there are some there are a lot of them that are specific to all the major characters and there are some that repeat because i imagine each guard doesn't have a specific like no there's like you're a you're not pool. gonna have the well spoilers if you haven't played this on if you don't play video games oh god then you must you've already shut off the podcast five minutes ago <laughs> Uh, but there's this mechanic in this in, in, in Dishonored where uh, you're given this devil guy gives you this it's a it's a dude, human heart. This kills me that you haven't used it because you don't know whose whose heart it is, do you? No. You find out by what the heart says, you can guess whose heart it is. But you have to wait, how do you do that? Well in one of the places the heart says something and struggles. Where do you go? Because I must have passed that already, because I'm already where, further into the game. I think than it's you are. in I think it's in actually in oh, what so it's is a human it? heart. Is it in Piero's Piero's oh, thing really? or whatever? Um, I think one of the things that it says, you can kind of guess who it is. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Is it a character you have any interest in? Like, yes. I don't know for sure if it is. Is it like the little girl who you're I'm trying not to save say. I'm not going to say because so I don't know for sure and I don't know hearts. if it's a but thing. But yeah, so the mechanic in this game is that you're walking, like this, I guess the devil guy who yeah. you're working for, he gives you this human heart. Like, filled with glass valve, like, glass, yeah. little glass portals, and, like, it's filled with, like, steampunk mechanics that when you hold it, yeah, it lets you see into the inner hearts and thoughts of everyone around you, and yeah. also lets you find secret, uh, uh, like, trinkets you can collect. Yeah, it'll track down collectibles. That's yeah, kind of silly. if you point it at someone, but, or yeah. if you, if, and, and pull the left trigger, or if you just activate it in the it's environment, creepy. it'll tell you secrets about the environment or secrets about the people you're I kind of like it, that that's, like, an evolution of Bioshock's, like, uh, pick up the... Like audio recording thing. Well, there are audio like, recordings. There's still the no audio too. recordings, and yeah. I love I love that's punch card. Yeah, stuff it's you, great. you essentially t- uh, like uh, feed into a, like a typewriter with speakers on it. Yeah, and that, that's kind of funny. No, I but, love that uh, goddamn heart. I could literally just play the game and wander through and, and find out secrets. About well, it's interesting so because uh, the other things I didn't realize one of the big gameplay designers is one of the guys who did Deus Ex. Because mm-hmm. like when you first were pitching the game to me last week, it seemed like it was just like Half Life meets Bioshock. But what little I played of uh, the only Deus Ex game I've ever played was Human Revolution yeah. that came out last yeah. year. Which I have no I, did that have any of the original designers from that from, like I have the no first idea. games on that. I don't know. I don't know if it was one of those things where it was just like another team. So, supposedly the other big game that came out this week, XCOM, is an mm-hmm. example of a game that was a huge thing back in the day. Big console, like yeah. I, th- I guess it's like an RTS game or something. It was like a that. PC game, but yeah. I guess like whatever 
team that brought the series back has nothing to do with the original team. Mm -hmm. But they did a very good job of kind of like bringing back what made the, those first games great. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I wonder how much of that also, also ties into it. Well, D Dishonored is great. I'm really enjoying it. I'm really bad at it, but I'm really enjoying it. It's also interesting just from a world building perspective. It's, I love the world building in it. Uh, is it Arthur Geese, who drives me crazy. I love Arthur Geese. He's a little pretentious on Twitter and stuff like that. But I love him. I lo his reviews and stuff. He's a great guy. Mm -hmm. But he had a great review. He was his his review of the game was the first one I read. And he was he described the game as Moby Moby Dick Punk Oil Punk. Yeah. I really feel like Steampunk is the wrong way to describe it. Oh, it's not Steampunk because everything runs on fucking. You kept whale saying oil. Steampunk eight or nine times. Well, it's... well, well, like some of the mechanics, like the Steampunk little heart. That's kind of Steampunk. -y. It's like, but I but feel the like world there's less. Is more... It's less brass and gears and more. No, it's not brass and gears. It's more yeah. elegant kind of. It's more like New England, or 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 England, England. Yeah. Kind of coastal whaling town, yeah. kind of turned into a thriving. It's metropolis. it's more sail punk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even though you don't see any, as far at least as far as I've seen in the game, there I haven't seen too much in the way of ships or anything like oh, that. Oh, you haven't. You have to look at the river. There's ships. Well, there's up ships, and down. but like it's not like you're fighting on boats or anything no. like that. But it's all it's, a har it's, it's harbor culture. The implication is that yeah, it's like these are a series of islands. Which means nations. I want there to be a Popeye game based on this. <laughs> We're just running around Sweet Haven. I love the character design. The costuming is really great, and I like the, all the details in it. And I really like the um, the textures. Have this great painterly look that remind me a lot of um, the Brandywine School, like specifically like kind of NCYF. That's what I was kind of wondering because on the first blush, I thought the game just looked terrible. I thought it was just I thought it was just low res textures that were kind of blurry. But then I realized mm -hmm. I'm sure compared to the PC version of the game, yeah. it, it's it's low res textures that look blurry. But they filtered that those textures in such a way yeah, that is kind of very impressionistic it's beautiful yeah i love it but again with the half-life 2 thing like the whole like picture of the game mm -hmm. it's very kind of washed out yeah and low contrasty and kind yeah. of like gritty and uh, everything's also kind of like slightly tinged with rust colors on yeah. everything which is that's also very half-life yeah but yeah no like the yeah the textures are just like the character models kind of look gruesome because they're almost kind of like fable i like it where yeah kind of caricature it reminds enough. me a lot of fable too especially people's faces yeah the bodies are still kind of normal in humans but the faces especially Dude, no they're not they're all like big fisted and like broad oh, somebody only has somebody somebody on twitter is complaining about how huge some of the characters hands it. are I love it. Which, that's totally fatal with the big clone yeah, characters. Yeah. The character more of the women. The more of the women. I love that all the women wear pants. All the men. They all, they all have Dylan's butt. <laughs> <laughs> the first woman you see in the game is a maid. It's dressed like Dylan because it's like got like like skin-tight black yoga, uh, like yoga pants, except it's got uh, a maid. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then I bumped into Cersei from Game of Thrones. Her shoes showed up and she was talking Wait, to me. Wait, does Lena Headey do a voice? Yeah. Oh, She's one of the first. She actually right next to Pieto's shop. Oh, and she wants her butt? Yeah. Oh, what's it's, her name? Not Celeste. It's hard. Chris, yeah, Callista or something Calista. like that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to recognize her because she's not being like, hello there, I want to fuck my brother. How you doing? I love soup. Uh, but then she turned around and was like, like all the ladies have badonkadonks in this game. They do have But not huge, parts. like... No, I'm, yeah. I'm barely in it, but I really, I'm really. But yeah, the costuming it. is great. I do love, like, especially like the ladies. Like when you meet the emperor, she's kind of like dead it up, but it's not like this huge like Star Wars costume. Yeah. It's just kind of like, elegant. There and, is one thing. My only, and I don't want to call it a regret. It's a very careful thing, but I was like, why do I not quite feel connected to this game? Mm -hmm. And I think I can't I can't connect with Corvo. I wish Corvo was voiced. Supposedly he has a voice and that's this is that that's one of the other like things that you can totally tell this is kinda like a, a 
drawback to or a, uh, like a callback to like the half-life games yeah where it's the silent first person protagonist yeah which you know you also had that in bethesda games you don't talk in bethesda but games. you know what in skyrim well, it's funny because this is a bethesda public in game, skyrim but... i didn't feel the loss of it because i figured it was like it's just impractical yeah but when you well, have this is a very named, narrow yeah the name protagonist in a very specific story and i get i get why but i wish fully pointed that out she's like you know what i'd like it a lot more if the protagonist had more of a character and a voice so also he does have a voice because you know who voices him? Uh, Sawyer from Lost. Really? Yeah. Are you fucking with no, me? No, I'm serious. That's one Josh of the Josh Holloway? That's why I was like, wait, who the hell is he? Because I saw that he was one of the announced uh, cast members w- huh. when you first told me about the game last week. Fuck And you. I was like, what the hell? Then I started playing the game. I'm like, what? Sawyer's in this game? Who the hell Sawyer? And then I looked and I was like, huh. oh, he plays Corvo. Because like that whole scene at the beginning where you meet the Empress and the little girl. Yeah, like, you know, I just want to talk to them. Because yeah, clearly that... you mean so much to them. Yeah. And, the... and there's one, and this is really me nibbling, but I hate that you have to read the the paragraph before each mission to really understand the context of, of scenes. That is weird to me. It seems like they spend so much of the time in the game putting together like the combat and seeking And I can't mechanics complain because it's beautiful. That they didn't really spend that much time worrying about the cutscenes or explaining anything to you in the world. They just figured, like, text dumps. Yeah, they just keep on throwing text dumps at you in the menus and in the books and stuff like that. I, I will say, yeah. I love all the books that are in, in Great. the game. I love we're talking about this game so much, even though combined, either both we've of us played, like, together yeah. we've played about maybe four or five hours of the we game. We have maybe played 5% of the game, but it's really... Yeah, because I'm really... getting to the end of the first mission and... And Annie hasn't even gotten that far. Yeah, you just met yeah. Gra- Well, this whole well, conversation because you met Granny Rags. I finished Granny Rags. So. Who is uh, Marmy from Little Women? <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I was like, oh man, you're Susan Sarandon. How about that? And it's Susan Sarandon. She's actually like, it's very cute. Susan, Susan, talk about some rats. Okay. Uh, did you talk to uh, the outsider about Granny Rags? Well, the outsider talks to you about her when you collect the yeah the bone charm bone charm yeah bone charm. man I really like the world they built I want Penny I want to arcade, own a dog just so I can call it bone charm Penny Penny Arcade was were a bunch of douchebags who were like this game is concept soup and I'm like fuck you so? guys they're like well it's nautical and it's steampunky and you're an assassin and what what are they complaining well, about well it kind of is but it's not dude like, it's not it doesn't feel not like not any soup. more than any other game that I've played recently. it doesn't feel like concept soup you can say they have a Bioshock where it's underwater. Yeah. Art Deco. Yeah. Fucking. I felt. I feel like it's all. It all feels very con- internally consistent and very well rounded. I'm grand. I mean, who knows? Maybe things fall apart later on in the game. We haven't seen it yet. Or something, I don't. But... Th- I mean, I'm. I'm. Re- this is a game. I'm really excited to see what happens next. And I'm really excited because it rewards my kind of gameplay. Because my instinct is to go around and look at everything and read everything and listen to all the conversations and yeah. sneak around and, and press like find out all the secrets I can. Don't go to Wikipedia to find out anything about the game because I, I made won't. the mistake. And of course, like for some reason, when I clicked on the Wikipedia link, the first sentence my eye fell onto was the last sentence of the story of the game. No! So I know exactly how it is. And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's great. So but, I'm really uh, I'm enjoying the mystery of it. Yeah, we and, shouldn't talk um, about it too much because we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll both of us have played more of it this time by this time next week, and yeah. we'll actually have actually more informed opinions about the game. But on first blush, it's a good game. That's fun. It's, it's and the, I love the it. blink mechanic. I keep is thinking great. about it. Like I keep thinking about it when I'm not playing it, this, even though I've only played like ten, like like an hour and a half. Because I know supposedly eventually you get powers, you can slow stuff down yeah. and things like that. But like this game is re- like I think it's revolutionary to me. I'll remember this game just as much for the blink mechanic as much as anything else. The fact that you can teleport yourself across space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like anywhere, it's, it used to be within a, like any kind of twenty foot radius around you. Yeah, you could just zip over there, which is great because like in assassins games, it's always like you're always kind of freaked out. Like you see a guy over there, 
Yeah. And can you make it in time? Like, yeah. can you, like, stab him behind, do some kind of stealth attack, but you're kind of freaked out because you have to, like, worry there might be other guys in between you might get seen. Yeah. With this, you could just drop, like, this marker and just literally just teleport behind a guy and just yeah. stab the shit out of him. Yeah. And it's just, it also makes just climbing stuff either easier because yeah. sometimes, like, you'll... It's just... It is the first time... You feel time... like a Death Eater from Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, actually. Yeah. It is the first time I've ever been presented with an upgrade screen and actually <coughs> kind of freaked, like, freaked out about all the things I wanted to unlock and yeah. do. And, and it's, Have you got unlocked the agility stuff? Uh, all I, I've unlocked was I boosted my... I gave myself the um, the ability where I can see through walls and see people's sight paths. Yeah. And I just upgraded... Um, oh, so I got the time slowing thing. Okay, I got two agility upgrades, and mm -hmm. once you get those, the game really feels, you feel, like, super fast. And awesome. It's great, and, like, I mean, also the game, the fact that you can do, like, a, you can run and slide. Yeah. Under cables and into yeah. tunnels and shit like that. Yeah. There's been a couple times where I've been chased. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my god, I gotta get through, like, there's a little tunnel, I gotta go, slide into the tunnel! I'm like, yeah, fuck you guys! <laughs> the dogs are chasing me and shit, and, oh my god, dogs show up! Yeah. And it sounds like there's gonna be exploding dogs in the game, because at some point I found this journal where someone's like... Stop putting explosives on my dogs! <laughs> I hate you, Commander Chicotay or whatever. I don't know. It's, 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 no, I, yeah, no, it's a good game. And the it's a really pretty is game good. Too. I'm glad it's good. And for a game that I did not know anything about <laughs> a week ago, it's a it's a nice surprise. I'm having yeah. a good time with it. Yeah. Oh, uh, speaking of games, I beat uh, Borderlands Two. Yeah, what you think? Which is kind of funny because like the controls are almost exactly the same from Borderlands Two. Yeah. It's funny because that's a big shooter, but like the same, the bu jump button is the same. Yeah. But, like even like. Like the looting button is the same and everything, mm -hmm. so it's 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 actually going from Borderlands Two straight to this game was actually really fun, except for the fact that in Borderlands Two there's no fall damage, <laughs> and so the for the first couple uh, bits in Dishonored I was just throwing myself off rooftops thinking woo, yep, and then going splat, yep. But yeah, Borderlands Two is, oh, what the hell I have to say about it? Uh, no, it's a really fun game, especially yeah for a, a mindless loot fest mm -hmm. game. But I I the moment I. I the, when I, I must have beat it like on Monday night or something like that. Uh, the moment I sent, moment I beat it off, beat it off. I got that hot Borderlands jism in my mouth. It's so good. Uh -huh. mm, it tastes like cinnamon bun yeah, cream. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, No, the moment I beat it, uh, I sent a letter off or email off to Anthony Birch, the guy who wrote the game, because mm -hmm. you know, friend of the podcast. Oh, hey, Ash, what's playing fame? Because yeah, w we've actually interacted with those guys a couple times, and uh, it was great because I like because I like vaguely know him. I got to ask a couple questions about like the lore of the game, especially yeah. the, the villain. I was like, well, his son, his face is kind of fucked up. What's up with that? And we were able to talk about it a little bit. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a generally fun game. The final boss battle was ridiculous. You kind of fight this giant kind of Godzilla kind of thing, and mm -hmm. it's just. Uh, yeah, I, like, because I was not a big fan of the first Borderlands game. I don't think it was bad, but, like, aside from the fun writing from Anthony Birch, and it's just something about the gameplay mechanics and stuff. It's just fun to shoot stuff and kill it. And, and, and as soon as you uh, 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 beat the game, you have the chance to, you could either do a new game plus or keep on doing quests afterwards. So that's kind of nice. And uh, the, the the day after I beat the game, they, uh, they uh, oh, my God, they put out, they, they have, there's a fifth class of the game you can mm -hmm. download. Uh, yeah, the girlfriend mode. Yeah, the girlfriend mode one, but that patch also came with some shit that cr like started corrupting people's files on the Xbox. Did Seriously, you hear about this? no. People's like a whole save file started getting deleted and corrupted. Oh, that's and stuff terrible. Like that. And they pushed out this update a week early as a gift to the fans. Oh no! And so it's just totally like here's the here's the most delicious surprise birthday cake. That has a fart baked into the <laughs> middle of it. So, but yeah, the Borderlands Two. I was surprised how good it is. I don't know when I'm gonna go back to playing it because, like, I was playing it quite a bit with a friend of the podcast, Grumpy Turtle. Uh, but uh, well, I've been so busy this week with freelance stuff. 
that I haven't had, like, that's why I haven't had a chance to play that much of Dishonored, much less go back and replay any kind of... Yeah. I downloaded the Mechromancer update for Borderlands 2, but I haven't had a chance to go back and really, really yeah. play any of it, so... I feel you, man. I've been busy with house stuff. House, so that's how's house that stuff. Going? It's going pretty good. Man, my house is looking awesome. I'm really pumped about it. But anyway, that's not terribly interesting. The game that I... The two games I've been playing this week... You don't want to hear about my bathroom! Who wants to talk about I assembled a bunch of furniture and it looks rad? The end. A friend of mine told me that I should, um, he was trying to tell me to get in on this home, like, renovation blog thing, because he's like, man, those people make money, and I'm just looking at him going, dude, there are a few bloggers who make money at it, but they are the exception, not the rule. He even pitched me the title. Also, you have a small ranch house, I could say if you're, yeah. like, renovating a mansion. Exactly, and that's the thing, or, or, well, no, there are all sorts of people who have, like... Well, you know what I mean, it's not, but like... But they have a lot to do. My house, I'm really just decorating and painting. Depends on how fucking crazy you want to make your house look in the end. That he could did, be interesting. He pitched me the title, he's like, you can call it homeowners. <laughs> <laughs> Like, fuck you. It makes it sound like gay slavers. I know, right? Anyway, um, uh, but the... Oh, that's a great idea for an Stop it. Stop it. So I, uh, I booted up my PlayStation 3 because a friend of mine wants to play Tokyo Jungle. So I was like, oh, well, I'll download it and then I'll let you borrow my PlayStation 3. So, of course, my PlayStation 3 had to get three hours of updates. And while I was in there, I was like, well, oh, there's a demo for Poppo and Yo. I had heard about it. This was a puzzle game that came out for the PlayStation 3 about game? half a year ago. Yeah. And, um, it, uh... No, it came out just, like, earlier this summer. Yeah. It was about six months ago. Oh, I was a year and a half ago. Or is it half a year ago is what I meant to say. Oh. Anyway, um, and it's a... It was pretty... It got some press because it is all a metaphor for child abuse. And uh, this guy's abusive relationship with his father. In the game, you are navigating environments as this little boy... Followed by this monster who can have these out of control rage spurts. Is a kid named Yo? <laughs> Sorry. Is he? Is it's he weird to me that it's Papo and Yo. Oh, it actually is Papo and Yo because I know Papo. I keep on hearing it's Papa Yo. That's what it should be. I guess be. maybe people will be like, oh, "What does that mean? What's Papa Y Yo?" Who's Yo? That's what everyone's gonna say. Uh, well, they're not Who's gonna even yo know what E. They'll, they'll just. They'll probably think it's some kind of weird Japanese title, Papa Wayo. <laughs> Papa Wayo. You're talking about little Japanese. They also come out with role playing games called Ys, E's, or whatever the hell. So who knows? Anyway, Papa Yo. Papa, pa- Papa Yo. Papa um, Umau Mao. It was a great. It was really interesting. Um, I went ahead and bought the whole game because the demo was pretty compelling. The gameplay is really cute, and oh, there a there's a really yeah. I, I don't see any demo, demos on PSN. It's hard to find. They don't do a very good job of pushing them. That'd out be there. better than Xbox Live, though. Not by a whole lot. Oh. Anyway, um, so the uh, the gameplay is really cute. There's a really organic way that you manipulate the environments. Mm-hmm. That's really appealing. Like the you're in this city, but it kind of stretches and and tears as you manipulate things. It's Not very like visually stimulating. Not like itself. It's, it's no, something else. No, no, it's kind of it's all like it's there's a lot of chalk art and graffiti art in oh. it, and like they'll uh, like you'll have a building that will curl up like pages in a book. Is it, is it supposed to take place like in a foreign country? Because it's, it's like it's made. Ooh. It's like a South American city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Um, but yeah. uh, I don't know if it's supposed to be like in a favela or something like that. Yeah. It's interesting to have the demo is really it's pretty great, but it was interesting when I got to the game. I kept thinking I couldn't help but compare it to Journey or Flower, and that it felt like a very poetic, like more like gaming as poetry, more than of a anything statement else. than a yeah. And then it was kind of weird when there were these like kind of more literal things that dropped into it, like. I felt like it as a metaphor, it seemed really effective until I was like, well, for gameplay purposes, we have to introduce this, and then we have to explain it. 
And, and like it was a game where I didn't feel like characters needed to talk. Like it would be more effective if they didn't talk. I've heard that supposedly this game makes both gameplay and storytelling kind of stumbles. It's and it's really where... frustrating because it's such a cool game oh. and it's such a clever idea. And on the other hand, I feel like a jackass being at all critical of it. It's like you know what your metaphor for your father's abusive relationship with you is trouble. The fact that it's uh, the, the game's based on troubling real world stuff does not does not give it a blank no, check it does to not. like make mistakes when it in terms does of not. like. And they're not I, the huge, fact that it's a small budget, though. Yeah, is and they're more not huge mistakes. Like, they're just like little little things. But it goes. That's where the off button on my TV is. Yes, did I just blow your mind? Yeah, I've never used it before. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, it's it's a good game. I think it's well worth it. It's not perfect, yeah. and it is frustrating because I feel like it's, well, it's just like a little thing. But it's it's funny well, perfect when, for what it is. Yeah, but it's funny yeah. when people get like, well, I don't want I don't want to talk shit about it too much because it's about such a unique thing. But at the same time, like you know, well, I mean, just like having a little indie art game that's in an, an, exp- an exploration of yeah. a r- relationship that is so uncommon. I don't want to pee on it. This guy's the Tim Schafer of sadness. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's uh I really I really did enjoy it. It was very well done. I really liked the art direction and the um uh the graffiti in it is beautiful. Me gusta. Me Bill, motherfucker. How long is the game? I I don't know, maybe about three hours, four hours? How much does it cost? Fifteen bucks. <gasps> <laughs> Jackass. Because we gotta great. treat games like it's uh <laughs> like deli meat at the grocery <laughs> exactly. store. You gotta get you, How much do I get? How much do I get? Uh, I also did wind up playing some Tokyo Jungle. Tokyo oh, Jungle is pretty cute. I forgot to get uh the casual vacancy back off of Dylan. I think she's still reading that. I was gonna say is she done? It's like nine hundred pages. Well her butt was there and I got sidetracked. Phil <laughs> didn't notice. Um, what does she think no, of it so long. far? She's just she 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 seems to be digging it. I don't I don't like it, but I enjoy it. Yeah. That's kinda of what it what it boils down to. I keep saying that. I offered Dylan true. Dylan's home today cause uh, all alone because her, her lady friend's out of town. I was like, You should come home and be on the podcast. Doesn't you want to come talk about Dishonored? Yeah, I kinda Dylan, you like, missed out. It's kinda like a video game time. Dylan, of the year. how do you feel about Dishonored? How do you think about Paul? <laughs> she can get that very specific look at her face. She gets <laughs> Well, this is terrible because last week, well, last week we called Dylan's Dylan's <laughs> wife Candy Stupid. No, this we week, called her Candy Stupid. Guess what I said? What I say? Candy Stupid. She is. And this week now we're talking about Dylan's butt and how she hates. Dude, what is this wee stuff, Kimosabi? This is true. <laughs> I'm just saying. Man, did you see Tokyo that stuff? Jungle about Johnny Depp? Oh man, he's racist. Dylan's referring to the Lone Ranger trailer that came. It's a out. shocker. Well, they've cast a white guy to play a Native American. That's problematic. That's right always going to be. You but, know what? God bless them, because there are too many roles for Native Americans in my Oh, I heard, well, supposedly there's, uh, uh, the, uh, the Tokyo Jungle movie is being pitched, but with a, with an American Pomeranian <laughs> as a star. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about Tokyo Jungle. <laughs> it's I'm great. I'm enjoying it. However, it's been a long time since I've game, played a game that was so transparently Japanese in its sentiment. Yeah. In that they're, you know what? This game is just kind of hard. <laughs> and to unlock, it's... there are 50 other animals, <laughs> but to unlock <laughs> each of them, you have to go through these ridiculous very difficult extremes that's where i'm amazed i'll go to neo gap and somebody on the like official uh tokyo jungle uh... oh did you hear the did you hear the thing about the baby crying they got slowed down and put on tumblr this week it sounds like a monster (laughs) 
He's like, Bill, Hurr. tell me about Tokyo Jungle Neo. That might be the theme music Bill, of this week's podcast. Bill, tell me about Tokyo Jungle Neo Gaff. What? You go to the official Neo Gaff. <laughs> oh, God. I'm try sorry. to give my, brought, me some spirit. And he bought brisket for us for lunch. And man, that was good. But Note like, to self. Don't that's going to make brisket. you burp because it's a hearty meal. It does not make me burp. But I know, but on Neo Gaff, people are like, oh, I'm only unlocked 45 of the 60 <laughs> uh, monsters. <laughs> What the fuck is like you have to play yeah. a long time. I'm to, just like, trying to unlock the cat. <laughs> I can't even unlock. I've not unlocked anything. No. I've played as both the Pomeranian and as the deer. Yeah. Did you steal my coke? Was that your coke? Yeah. You and then you coke. open it up on the. That's empty coke. <laughs> and then you open it on the podcast. You, you know what, motherfucker? There you go. Drink it. No. You opened it. No, I only I broke the seal. No, here you. No, because I'm gonna get one when we get the break. Here, I'll finish it off for you. At Bill Mudrin style. It's not, <laughs> right podcast no officially begins. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> At least I can do you just you just spent twenty dollars for us on brisket. I can give you a free coat. So anyway, but yeah, yeah. So it seems like I can't imagine like this is totally the definition of one of the games where I'm like, okay, okay, enough. Where's the cheat code? Oh, so I can just unlock the animals. I know. Well, I saw some of the animals are DLC too. Yeah. But then I saw it, like, you could also just naturally unlock, like, Tyrannosaurus Rex yeah. and shit. Yeah, Oh, my God. But, like, you'd have to play that game for, like, 60 hours to unlock that stuff. Like, and you're kind of doing the same shit over exactly. and over again. Exactly. It's like, uh-uh, man. No, But it's sir. worth 15 bucks just to play. Just for the- I want to learn all the lore. I know that's ridiculous, but, again, the fact consistent. The you, you pick up. You can pick up these. So, in the game, Tokyo Jungle, we talked about this briefly. Mm-hmm. It is set in the um, post-apocalyptic world where all the humans are gone. We do not know what happens. So, and animals, it's ten years later, and animals roam to Tokyo. So you take control of any given animal. You can be a Pomeranian, then you have to hunt um, and find a mate. Or you can be like a, um, a, a prey animal, like a deer is what, yeah. when you start with. And then you have to eat like you just have to find shrubbery that you can but nosh you on. And then you have to, to hide from yeah. that. But those are, those are just the two uh, animals you start off with at the beginning of the game, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can unlock all sorts of crazy But I mean, it's... it's you it's, can like a T-Rex! It's a cute game. Supposedly you get like an office worker, too. I don't know what? how you do that. Like, you just feel like, like a... person? A, which I would love to see the animation of the office worker <laughs> mounting his mate in the nest. Because that is one of the best parts of the it's, game, too, so, in your yeah, brain. So the goal of the game is to level up enough by eat, consuming enough calories yeah. that you can attract <laughs> a mate. But then you have to be careful to attract the right kind of mate. And then... Reproduce. You don't want a desperate female. No. No. I would love to see what the human desperate female looks like. Foley and I want to now want to get a Pomeranian even more so. And we're torn between we're either going to name it Pomeranian? we're going to name it either Pom Hardy or Pom Haverford. <laughs> One or the other. One or the other. Terrible. Um anyway, oh it's great and it was great to turn on my PlayStation 3. I was actually kind of tempted to um buy Dishonored on the PlayStation 3 because of the whole PlayStation Plus thing. Cuz if you order it if you're a PlayStation Plus member, which I'm not, but it'd be tempting. You get a discount on it and you get a day of discounts, like 10% off new games, which is kind of clever. If you ever bought more games. If you ever bought more games. It only works if you drink the PlayStation 3 Kool-Aid. Man, I would be really tempted to see if they come out with a new PlayStation next year and it sounds like it might actually be a console you want to own other than just playing Blu-rays on. Yeah. That would be tempting. Man, I got an email this morning from Amazon saying, oh, hey, you're, um, we've got a new release date for um, The Last of Us. And I got so excited. I was like, you, really? The release date has changed? What's the release date? And they're like, oh, January 1st, 2014. What? They broke my heart. What was well, their... It was January 1st, 2013. Oh, okay. So which, they're going to change Of course. Yeah, they're just... They, they were it's just, just wondering new, if it came out for this year. Yeah, yeah it's just a new. Like, oh, that sucks. That's out. a heartbreaker. There was a moment of of excitement, Anaha! followed by inevitable sadness. Oh. Anyway, 
PlayStation 3. Did you hear that, uh, I'm really excited, uh, at, uh, the New York Comic Con yesterday, they announced that Faith Aaron Hicks is doing the prequel to Last of Us. Yeah, and I saw that Kotaku t- had wrote up a big story. I never even mentioned the fact that she's writing her. and or co- co-writing the goddamn thing. Yeah. Thanks, Kotaku. I'm just saying, the story of a teenage girl in yeah, a post-apocalyptic no. environment with a bearded it's, dude. It's, it's, it's all kind of a backstory, right? It's up her alley. Right up her alley. Anyway, good time. Man, The Walking Dead came out. I'm so bummed. They came out this week, the fourth uh, episode, but I, again, I was too busy with freelance stuff to actually play it. Yeah. Because like, that's why I uh, didn't have time to really play this honor. I'm really excited. Also, the closer we... This is the last uh, uh, Walking Dead chapter that'll come out before Halloween, so I want to savor a little bit. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited because what I, I, what I have at my computer that I actually need to go home and play is um, I have a, a play test. I think I'm allowed to say this. I have a play test of Gone Home, of the first part of Gone Home. I'm so excited about it. Is that a horror game? Gone Home, yeah, it's a it's a first person exploration game that's being developed by a local studio, Fulbright. Uh, in Japan, like the, the the series that kind of helped inspire Resident Evil was uh, Sweet Home, and for some reason, I, I think that may have been a first person like Famicom game or something hmm. like that. It just kind of made me think about that. Anyway, um, but it's yeah, scary. I really conf- oh, I, don't, I haven't played it. I'm a jackass. Have you seen the game where you're wandering around in the woods? Trying to find eight pieces of this document and this Slenderman. Slenderman is chasing you. Yeah, I seen Patrick <laughs> Puppet playing that on Giant Bomb. He has, he has a he has a thing he does around Halloween calling what uh, spooks with scoops because he's their <laughs> news editor. And so he plays horror games, and that's one of the things he's been playing. That game looks fucked up, because it's not, like, combat or anything. Like, you're no. just trying to get... There it's is like nothing the, scarier. It's like literally the project, the game. There is nothing scarier to me in a video game than a feeling of powerlessness. Yeah. And all you can do is run. That is... Nothing makes me feel more amped up and Like, when someone the hedgehog is running away from the whale... But no, like in Enslaved, like there are a lot of, there's a lot of combat in that game where you cannot fight back necessarily. You can just escape. And that sort of shit freaks me out, man. What was another game I played recently? Even playing as Giant Monkey Man? Yeah. Oh yeah, there are giant robots in that world that you can't beat. What other game was I playing recently that did the same thing? It was really effective. Couldn't have been Bioshock 2. Anyway. You haven't played that much in the last couple months. Yeah, I know. You'd think I remember. Anyway, I always I think that's always very effective when you are a very powerful character who all of a sudden is faced with something that you cannot fight. Mm-hmm. That really that never fails to get a an adrenaline reaction from me. So it's like when you're playing Borderlands two and you're level twenty uh-huh. and you find a skag who's level twenty five and you're that's like, right. Oh my god, I gotta run away. That is exactly the feeling that I'm talking and about. All out of rocket ammo, uh rocket launcher ammo. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of art that's a metaphor for um, parental abuse, I saw The Shining for the first time ever this week. How'd that go? So I can't is... believe you want to go see The Shining. I, there's a local... And it's not much for horror movies. Uh, there's a local movie theater called the Hollywood Theater that's a great, old, um, beautiful mo- movie theater, like back from vaudeville days, like yeah. from the advent of Didn't they just movies. renovate? They've been in the process of renovating for the last couple of years. In fact, I volunteered and I went and did some demo work for it. And the oh, best okay. part was that they gave us tour of the whole complex. So I got to go see, they still have like the dressing rooms where like the vaudeville acts would Oh, change. where Lord Harley felched each other. That's a landmark in Portland. You know what felching is? I'm not going to answer that question <laughs> on the grounds that it could incriminate me. Just because you got ran, ran out of Wyoming for breaking their anti-felching laws Jesus. in 1988. Oh. Yeah, but, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, when, whenever, whenever, when I when I first heard that word, I thought, oh, you mean a groundskeeper in Harry Potter? <laughs> oh, 
no. So, so yeah, Hollywood uh, with the Shining. The Hollywood Theater, and they had a thirty-five millimeter print, Ooh. and it was, was it, it, it was it was kind of an older, kind of scratchy. Print, oh, this see, that's cool. even better. Yeah. And I haven't been to the Hollywood. Um, they used to have original seating, so these terrible wooden seats. Yeah. Recently, a local movie theater upgrade, which was like a really nice movie theater, the Lloyd Center. Actually, they upgraded one of their um, theaters to IMAX, which meant they had to get new seats. And so oh, they so donated, they donated their all seats? of their really good seating to the Hollywood uh, Theater. Oh, and I haven't cool. had a chance to go and try it out yet. It was great. It was comfortable. They upgraded their screen and their surround sound system. And they wow. It. It's great. It's like a real theater now. But, um, God damn, The Shining. That was one of the most beautiful movies I have ever seen in my life. The cinematography was so perfect. Yeah. And the art direction was so great. I had such a good time. That story is dumb. It is dumb. And you know what? I really enjoyed it. It actually makes a little more sense in the book. No. See, I disagree. All the parts of it that I liked were the parts that I read online because immediately I went home and I was like, I have to learn everything about The Shining. Everything that Stephen King said <laughs> that he did wrong in the movie is fucking what did he wrong. Say he did wrong. Everything. There's changes in the book, but I don't know what Stephen King said specifically that he Stephen's did wrong. Stephen King. He changed the thing like it's it, like he doesn't have to go after the boiler. He did like yeah. uh, he... Well, Stephen King's big bitch fest was that it's ambiguous. Stephen King said this movie is wrong because you could watch it thinking that it's all, to some degree, it's all in their heads. And that maybe it's all, like, cabin fever to Oh, yeah, because in the book, it's very specifically, there's a male- yeah. malevolent, evil, manta ray-shaped spirit <laughs> inhabiting such the house. such bullshit. Jesus Christ. Whereas I thought <sighs> the most interesting parts of the movie were the parts that were like, this guy is actually just deeply troubled. My favorite ambiguity. part... Is the black guy when he's in the hotel room and there's like black naked centerfolds on the wall. <laughs> That's really great. He's got the great velvet paint. That's what it is. Of the women with the, just the naked women with the giant oh, afro. No, when I think of The Shining, that's the first thing I think about. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've never I haven't seen, seen that movie before. in a long time. Yeah. God, that's and the, like the steady cam work in that is just oh, yeah. beautiful. Oh, with the, the, the kid on the strike going through the, yeah. the hallways and stuff. And like when they're running through the hedge maze, like the way the camera turns as they go through the hedges. Yeah. And like there's a part where the kid is. he they're running through the maze and it's snowing and the kid is it's right is retracing his steps yeah and when you're watching it you're like the camera person was having to retrace his steps too so that his footprints weren't visible in the shots exactly yeah it is like just from a filmmaking perspective it is just so beautiful and like from an editing perspective you don't see movies anymore with long sustained uncut shots and it was so refreshing to see a movie where it's like just you know the camera moves with the people there was a thing he did a lot in the in the movie where um when characters enter rooms or like go into a different part of the building rather than walking through them with the doorway like we'd pass through another door or through a window oh you mean like like planarly like kind of like yeah like you're passing through the wall exactly and it's very set it's always from other rooms. Yeah. Like you're, it never feels like, oh, this is we're making an impossible pass. Oh, okay. It's not like in in Glorious Bastards where you're over her as she's walking through her apartment. Or oh, like it's that. A, yeah, yeah. Exactly, it's always yeah. like it always feels organic. But okay, like, so we're you're going, going through, through another, another door. door. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And like it's very thoughtful, creating a sense of space. Then exactly, yeah. it's so goddamn beautiful. And I thought it was so great. Like the creepiness was so great. What I was worried about going into it was that. Um, the Shining is one of those movies, I felt kind of similarly in Jaws, where it's a movie that's so culturally prevalent, and so, you know, our cultures are so steeped in it, that I knew every single note of that movie before yeah. it happened. Like, just watching um, The Treehouse of Horror, I knew literally everything that happened in The Shining. 
you know? Although there's, like, a lot of story beats. Like, you'll know, oh, I understand yeah. the basic idea, but, like, you'll know, like, here's Johnny. And yeah, and, but, like, like, that, reveal, but... like, I knew the entire story before I even saw it. But yeah. it, that movie is all about the atmosphere, more so than the story. I can't remember, in the book, the black guy dies in the movie? Yes, he does. In the book, he, sur- he yeah. survives. It's funny, because, like, Stephen King's sequel to The Shining is coming out next year. Oh, Doctor yeah? Sleep. It's all about Danny Torrance. Yeah. As, like, this 40-year-old guy now who huh. still has his shining power. Yeah. But now he works in a hospice and he helps people, like, go off. Such whole shining shit is so dumb. <laughs> that, movie, that movie would be so much better with so much less. No. If you removed the shining aspect. The best part of the shining is that Dick Heller and, you know, the, the, the black cook guy yeah. who's awesome. Yeah. Is it Scandal He's Brothers great in, in that movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, he is great in that movie. He used to be friends with... Uh, You can have the hotel be haunted? What is it? In Stephen King's It, it turns out he was hanging out with... There's this great... uh, Oh, does that character show up in It? Yeah, he shows up in It briefly. About... uh, In this place, there's this uh, black jazz club on the military base in the city where It takes place. Yeah. And this is a flashback to the 1940s about how a bunch of white guys burned down this black jazz uh, club Mm -hmm. on this military base. Mm -hmm. And he's one of the guys in there and he ends up saving... I think he uses his shining power to save a couple people. Mm -hmm. But he only shows up briefly, but you're reading it and you're like, Ah, it's the guy from the shining! He's only like like 20 years old! Hey, I'll see you later in another book someday. (laughs) Um... Uh, but yeah, no, The Shining's interesting. What do you think of, like, the, even the opening with the camera tracking shots and the music? Blah. Well, you know, it was great. Blah, 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 blah. I thought it was awesome. It did such a good blah. job. And I loved all the title cards for the passage of time that made no yes, sense. Tuesday. Yeah, it's like, like really one month doing. later, 8 o'clock. No, it was so, such a good job of creating a very particular kind of feeling and atmosphere. Man, and I like... know, man, this is one of my uh, favorite movies to masturbate to because that hot, that sexy hot scene. <laughs> The, the old lady in the bathtub. The old lady in the bathtub. That was such a great practical effect. But still, not half as hot. <laughs> Shelly Duvall. <laughs> Can't fit through the window. <laughs> you know your windows are too small when Shelly Duvall, Duvall can't, can't climb out the window. Uh, no! Uh, Isn't the dude giving another dude a blowjob? There is a... The yeah, there's a Isn't scene... is guy wearing, like, a dog mask or yeah, something? It's yeah, it's weird. A dog mask that has no hole for a blowjob to happen. He was just sniffing it. He's just sniffling his scratch. I love the smell of your balls. No, I your really... Your ghost balls smell you know, delicious. It would be so great if it were just ambiguous, if it's just him going crazy, like him having found this scrapbook of, like, history yeah. of the hotel and going crazy, and then the question of, is it really haunted, or is it in his head? And then, well, he gets out of the room, how does that happen? And then they all start appearing to the other, to, to like his wife and to the kid. Yeah. Like you could, I hate to, I mean, it's a great movie, but there's just parts of it that are so dumb. Like we don't need to know that it's on an Indian burial ground, really. Did they see that in the movie? Yes. Oh yeah, you know, it got, we got attacked by the natives a couple of times. I totally don't remember that. What do you think about thing. the, what do you think about the last image in the movie where you find out that like Jack Torrance was part of that it. 1924. That was great. J- J- was it July 4th? Yeah. July 4th, 1941 or whatever. Which, uh, people have like, was, isn't there something like somebody like, I, I think somebody has this giant YouTube video online where he tries to, con- his, his thesis is that the movie is about. Is it about the gold standard or the silver standard? Oh, there standard? are a lot of crazy Shining conspiracies. Or it's, it's, the Shining is Stanley Kubrick's veiled attempt to tell everyone that he helped fake the moon landing. Oh, I heard about that and one. And for some ago, reason, that last shot that. ties into the thesis about how, <laughs> and, and it's documented that Stanley Kubrick kind of came out and said, I don't even know what that means. I just thought it was a cool image to end, <laughs> yeah. end the movie on. Yeah. yeah. See, I like, I think horror to me is most effective when it's ambiguous, yeah. where I don't want to know. When I know, then it's not scary. 
Like the more details I know, the less scary it becomes. Yeah. You know, I don't. I want to wonder why and what happens when you spell it out. It's not. It's not interesting anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just facts. It's not. You know. You know, the lady did music for that. She's Wendy Carlos, who used to be a dude. She also did the music for Tron. She's transgendered. She's one of the first hmm. big transgendered people in Hollywood. Hmm. Fucking. Uh, pre- like, uh, way before this what, Lana Wachowski bullshit. Uh, yeah, uh, she, uh, I guess it was a dude named, like, Larry Carlos or something like that. And then she turned into Wendy Carlos, and then she wrote the music for the show. Dude. Which seems I to be like... mostly her to keep her going, bow. Dude, it was super effective. Bow, bow, bow. How is Jack Nicholson not a joke in that movie? Like, he's overacting that entire movie, oh, but it works. That movie totally made his career in terms of, like, crazy dude. It's yeah. so weird, because you know it's it's Kubrick, so you know he was told to do that. And he's so kind of cartoonish and bizarre. Well, also, like, even the ghosts that are, tending, are taunting were kind of ridiculous. Like, the well, butler guy. Who's like, Dude, that Mis- was great. Mr. I Mr. liked Torrance. that whole, that whole and, scene. And, like, the ghost bartender and stuff. I who's met- also... Yeah, it was, the, it was Terrell and Flavor. Yeah. He's so good at being a creepazoid. That whole scene oh. was great in the bar. Oh, my I can't remember how much I remember of this for a movie I haven't oh. seen in forever. But, um, I'm glad he had a good time. I, it was so beautiful. And that was the first time. I feel like a jackass. But that was the first time I've ever wanted to take a movie and edit it. Yeah. And just take out all the extraneous bullshit. I th- my one thing was like, so, okay, if you tone down the supernatural stuff so it's more ambiguous, mm-hmm. then what do you do with, with the little boy and his whole, like, his little possession? Because the, the good, the, the the spirit that seems like a force of evil but is actually maybe good or at least not Which bad. Which one's that? What do you think Well, the that spirit is? that possesses possess little boys at least not, is not, oh, is yeah, like, yeah, not a yeah. bad spirit per se. And it's just kind of dumb. You know, but it it serves a perp. It's like it's like a a good metaphor for like little boy. You know, like you withdraw into yourself and yeah. you have this other thing because you can't cope with blah blah. One blah, thing blah. I do miss from the end of the the actual book, the hedge maze thing, is there's hedge monsters. Oh really? That uh, as things get worse in the book, the hedge monsters that the, well, the hedge hedge creatures start to move. Yeah. And and the final thing, the hedge monsters, the hedge creatures actually do start to physically attack stuff. That's probably pushing a little bit too far. Yeah. But I like the kid starts realizing as the days pass forward, he realizes that, like, from day to day, that the hedge animals are slowly, like, changing position a little bit. And that's even, at, just adds to, like, what the fuck is going on? See, and the parents then, don't seem to notice what's going on. But the real on. monster is his father. Oh, yeah. That's just, that's another, that's, a, there's, like, you know. And I love, Stephen King wrote that book while he was, like, he totally in the throes of alcoholism. And yeah. just being out of his mind, he said it wasn't until years later he realized, like, he was writing, yeah. like, a book about himself being yeah. a monster. So I was reading the Wikipedia page, and it was talking about how Stephen King bitched about that movie and how much he hated it. And then... Because I don't think it's the greatest movie of all time, oh, but it's a good well, movie. Because it changes his story fundamentally. But it's not like... Because Stephen King kept saying it could be no. perceived that it's in, in Jack Also, the other nice head. thing that, the, that, that is in the book that's not in the movie is the fact that, yeah, uh, Jack, he's... Uh, the big thing about the, the hotel is the real reason why they need someone there at the hotel when no one else is there is that there's there's a boiler on the premises that you need someone to go in there and, like, release the extra pressure off yeah. the... Because uh, the boiler's kind of half-busted. Yeah. It keeps on building steam. If you don't pay attention to it, it's going to explode. Which, yeah. actually, that's how the whole... The, the story ends with the hotel exploding because, you know, Jack loses his mind and he forgets yeah. to keep tabs on the boiler. Yeah. But I like the fact that he keeps on losing more and more track of the boiler as time goes on and, like, the boiler gets more fucked up. It's a nice yeah. gauge of how, like, the condition of the boiler getting more and more fucked up is a gauge yeah. of him, like, him losing it. It's, it's a really obvious symbol yeah. of, like, the boiler, it's too yeah. much pressure, it's going to break at any time, and then yeah. the dad. But it's kind of, like, in terms of just kind of, like... It, 
just kind of like just just pacing in the book, which is yeah. kind of nice. Little... Which is interesting because the boiler yeah. does show up in the movie. Yeah, but it's, you it's, see Shelley Duvall It's not a storytelling it. like plot point or anything like that. I uh, yeah. I uh, really that was my favorite. Yeah, doesn't she get movie? instructions to fuck with it or something like that? But that's the only time. Yeah, can't remember. yeah. Um, I uh, she wears this great overalls dress and I'm like corduroy overalls dress and I'm like welcome to 1978 awesome. or whatever. Kind of what the overall. Oh, that's dress. what do you think? I, whenever I think about The Shining, I think about the fact that they accidentally burned down one of the sets. Oh, yeah. While filming the movie. I don't know what set it was, but uh, it was one of the sets that the next production, uh, moving into those studios, was mm-hmm. Elstree Studios outside of uh, uh, London, uh, was The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. So The Empire Strikes Back, they were like, oh, shit, we, we have one less set to worry about. We, we have to, like, we have to, like, you know, uh, uh, fuck with our schedule to work around on the fact that <laughs> uh, fucking uh, Stanley Cooper burned down one of our goddamn sets we were going to use Whoops. right when he was done with it. So Man, so what's great is that I didn't notice this. So the opening shot where they're flying through the mountains and they yeah. fly up to Timberline Lodge. This speaks to that movie. I didn't notice this till the end. It's the Timberline Lodge. There is not a giant hedge in front of the Timberline Lodge. No. So they have this great establishing shot of the hotel that's missing this fundamental element. Also, I liked that. does the uh, the the helicopter footage yeah. look at all familiar from any of the It's from movie? the end of Blade Runner, Blade Runner right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, which is great because that just came out like a year or two late after that too. So yeah, yeah that's great. That's awesome. Man, no, the shining is good. I times. love that they built. They had to build a Timberline Lodge on a set just so they could put a hedge. Because during all those shots, I'm like, how the fuck did they? What did they build a hedge in front of the Timberline Lodge? Exactly, how the yeah. hell did they do that? No, well, they, they built, built the, the exterior. Yeah, they just built the set. It's I wonder crazy. if they, oh, I think that exterior set because I know like whatever set they actually burned down that caused problems for the schedule of Empire Strikes Back. I think it was one of the bigger sets, so it may have been the, like the exterior set. That was a set. massive goddamn set. Yeah, I mean it was monstrous. Yeah, because they have all the snow drifts and stuff like that. Yeah. That's the same set that uh, uh, Shelley Duvall climbs out of the window when Jack's going crazy mm-hmm. that she falls onto the snowdrift and she kind of like, yeah it's a cr- I mean that movie just from a filmmaking standpoint it's just so great I, I was like him frozen that's that was dumb that was dumb <laughs> like I said it's an itch- I don't think it's a great dumb. movie as people say it is but it's a good movie to watch dumb it's a fun movie yeah it's still I, super I, it's I better it than Eyes Wide Shut I will take I will take a dumb movie if you put on a good show did I Segway into Prometheus, Bill. Uh, well, I know exactly. <laughs> Did I have you ever give you the documentary about uh, Stanley Kubrick? I have a great, no. like, just like the two only hour Stanley long. Kubrick movies I've seen now are this you need to watch Paths and of Paths of Glory. Yeah, I've well, Paths seen of that. Glory I saw when I was thirteen years old at two o'clock in the morning on like AMC or Turner Classic Movies. Or something oh, that's like that. a perfect way. That's to... the movie that made me obsessed with World War One. Okay, really? Yeah. Hmm. That, that is my that genesis of my obsession. Is it a really long movie? Because I just assume like old World War One movies are gonna be like four it's hours not, long. It's actually not. But what's really interesting is that I I love the the opening is is all on this battlefield yeah. and there's this great tracking shot through the um uh through the trenches and it's just beautiful. It's so well done. And but then the like, rest well, of the that's movie that's like the second thing Kubrick ever did. He he did that when he was a youngin too. It's a oh, you man. ever seen two thousand one. I've never. I just told you I've never seen any other Stanley. Man, Kubrick you should movies. watch. There's a lot of 2001 in uh, Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Segwaying into Prometheus again because I forgot that. Like I think even someone says like "Good morning, David," which is what the robot yeah. says. Because yeah. like the evil robot in in, in 2001, there is is working against the hero uh, who is I think his name is David, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like how uh, yeah. Michael Fassbender is working on the ship from Prometheus. Michael Fassbender. Spoilers for Prometheus. <laughs> Michael Fassbender's robot robot. <laughs> Do we want to talk about Prometheus? Because I watched it three times this week. This, this drives me crazy. So Bill hates yeah, Prometheus. Yeah, it's like having a rotten tooth. You just want to Bill play with it. bought Prometheus on Blu-ray, which meant, how much was that movie, Bill? Was it, it was $35, $40? Yeah. And I then you the watched it disc special. three no, times. I watched it three times. Because I am fascinated by 
fucked up movies. Especially, like, like I'm a huge Ridley Scott fan. I'm a huge fan of Alien and Blade Runner. And I just wanted to see what the hell happened to this movie. Because the movie is not a perfect movie, by any means. Um... So, yeah, I watched it once. Just it's a very diplomatic way to say that, though. Me. I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> Andy loves this movie. Well, I just, I, I will, I love practical effects and, and that kind of world building and that sci-fi There's design. There's some practical effects in that movie. No. They built the ship. What ship? The ship. They built Prometheus. They built both ships. Yeah. But I'm just saying, that kind of shit, I love that kind of shit. Well, that's nice. The sets and stuff. But there's still a lot I like. Man, they have a CGI version of, uh, who's the guy who comes back crazy? Like, after they come back to the Prometheus oh, yeah. and he attacks um, the ship and they, the... End up, they end up running him over and burning him. Fair uh, right. One of the deleted scenes Did is they really? actually had a CG. He's yeah. more alien, which actually kind of like, the, the special effects weren't finished, so it looks kind of dodgy, but he looks more, like, legitimately creepy. See, Whereas in like the final to... film, it's just a crazy guy with rubber pancake oh, makeup kind of punching I people. Always, I would always choose a practical effect over a CGI mm. one. Like, I will, I will also, I mean, in, for that sort of thing, like, I found that way more terrifying for having the... For um being so close to being based in reality. Well, originally, like also another deleted scene was like Prometheus comes to the planet and it's just uh, really got a whole yeah. model going. <laughs> he's like, you're hitting those practical effects so much, <laughs> <laughs> and he's also doing the music by himself. Do 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 do. Uh, but no, I. Well, the funny thing is, like, what really kind of put this movie in perspective, other than the spending eight hours watching Jesus it on Thursday, Christ, was, uh, I watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula with Dylan last night, which, I love that movie, but that's another example Is that of, where Tom Waits is Renfield? Yeah. Okay. That's another example where it's a really beautiful movie, but it's not very good, but I, for some reason, I love that, but for some reason, Prometheus drove me crazy. Granted, when I first saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, that was a nice surprise of a movie, whereas Prometheus... You know, you anticipated it was it. really huge anticipation because, you know, yeah. like I said, I'm a huge Alien fan, huge Ridley Scott fan. I went in there with, like, crazy expectations. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's when I realized, like, I love Bram Stoker's Dracula and Prometheus is at least no worse than Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, especially Dylan was kind of ribbing me because she was, we were, like, watching the movie and she's like, yeah, this really is, like, the casting in this movie is kind of weird. It's kind of like the writing of Prometheus. But we still had a good time watching because it's still a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of ridiculous. Uh, but the, um, oh God, what did I want to say? Uh... Yeah, my overall overall takeaway from watching the movie fucking three times uh, was, I think it's kind of, there's this, in one of the commentaries, there's the writer's commentary from, mm-hmm. uh, the original writer, his name is like John Spaths, and writer, uh, commentary with Damon Lindelof. And I think the kind of the key to understanding Prometheus is there's a bit where uh, John Spade, he talked about how he got involved with writing uh, Prometheus to begin with, was, um, I guess Ridley Scott was in the middle of editing. Have you haven't seen any of this stuff? Like any of the special features? I haven't read, I haven't watched, I, I haven't looked at the Blu-ray at all yet. Though I did read an article came out this week with the original writer where yeah. he's talking about his original pitch. Yeah, because he talks about how, like, how he got involved with the movie. Yeah, he just, like, well, what Ridley I think... Scott was in the middle of, he was in the middle of editing Robin Hood. And he was just like, I guess he was just calling writers up to his loft just to be like interviewing people to do, to see if they wanted to work on Alien. Because supposedly this guy, yeah. he, he got called up by really this guy to say, hey, I just want to talk about movies. And he was like, 
okay, I'll come up and talk about movies with you for an hour. And so usually they hit it off for an hour and had a really good, like, great conversation, but just random shit. They weren't talking about Alien or anything at all. Yeah. Or even, like, Ridley Scott wasn't even propositioning where I think they were just shooting the shit, and after an hour, like, Ridley Scott was like, okay, well, this is the reason why I brought you up here, as I want to do an alien mo- another Alien movie. I have no idea what I, I want it to be about, but I want you to write it. This is what's weird to me about the article that I read. Yeah. Was that this movie was pitched because Ridley Scott wanted to make another Alien movie, yeah. explicitly. And that the suits at Fox told him not to make it about Alien. Did you read that? Did you hear about this? No, I didn't hear about the this. Writer, this never got talked about in any of the, the... the... The suits gave them the feedback. Because that writer's original draft was explicitly an Aliens movie. There were the facehuggers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, like, the... What are they called? The xenomorphs. Yeah. There are, like, eight different xenomorphs. See, Ridley Scott in the this. director's commentary, he takes credit for the fact... He says he decided at the last minute he didn't want there to be Aliens and stuff it's, like that. It's... It, at least from that... The article I read. I, I don't know. But anyway, it was interesting to me that it was, like... Because what I think the movie is way more interesting without the connection to Aliens. It's yeah. like a vague connection to Aliens, but not necessarily being... Like, my... my the, the part of that movie that turned me off was the very last goddamn shot with the xenomorph. I thought that was like literally that made me so mad. That's so arbitrary too, because you know that an alien's not going to show up again or anything. Because like yeah. all the rest of the alien mythos takes place on another planet, so that thing's just going to like die and just like starve to death on that planet. So it's like, such a dumb see, reveal. That, um, that made me mad because I felt like that was the part of the movie that was least interesting. But to me. the reason I bring up this guy writing Alien was the fact that like Ridley Scott, he like he didn't have an idea for this Alien movie. He just wanted to make another one for no particular yeah. reason, and. I got to thinking about how this is kind of like where Francis Ford Coppola was when he made Bram Stoker's Dracula. Because uh, when Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, was made, uh, Francis Ford Coppola was very much in the same kind of phase in his career that Ridley Scott is now, where he's an older guy. He's made a bunch of movies in the last decade that haven't done it uh, very well. And uh, Francis Ford Coppola was very open with the whole reason he made Bram Stoker's Dracula is because uh, he had spent all of the 80s making all these movies that he wanted to make, but they were f- incredibly unpopular, lost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he got lured into making The Godfather Part 3 because it was one of those things where, like, okay, well, I'll make this movie. It'll make a lot of cash, and that'll give me enough money to keep on keep on making the movies I want to make. Yeah. It was it was essentially a cash grab. That was and kind of why Kubrick saying, made The Shining Act. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Which I thought was neat. And, well, that's the thing a lot of Hollywood directors, they, wanna, they, they don't want to openly talk about, but, like, yeah. people say, like, there's a reason why Steven Spielberg will make a like he'll make a Jurassic Park but like that's where Jurassic Park gets to fund like his next three like Schindler's lists yeah and Lincoln's and stuff yeah. like that like every director every popular director t- eventually has to do that where they get to make their own pet projects but in order to fund, fund those pet projects they, they have to yeah, make the cash grab movies yeah and I got to think about I wonder if this really was what uh, Prometheus started off as the fact that like Ridley Scott was just had like because Ridley Scott he's a really smart guy and it seems like he doesn't start a project unless uh, he finds a script that really intrigues him, like he did with Robin Hood, where the whole Genesis, the Robin Hood thing was, even though the movie turned out I was completely gonna say, separately. It sounds like it's exactly like Prometheus. But then he tortured it into a completely, <laughs> to where it didn't, re- it, it nowhere resembled that original oh. script. But Every at least, time you allude to his Robin Hood movie, my sphincter just snaps. What, well, what I'm wondering was, with the Robin Hood movie, the fact that like, he, like, for some reason, right at the end, uh, the end of editing the Robin Hood movie, I wonder if he looked at the Robin Hood movie and saw this is not the kind of movie he wanted to make and kind of realized, like, oh, shit, I might have another stinker on my hands, at least in terms of the money-making thing. And I wonder if this is when he realized, okay, like, I my next movie should probably be an alien movie, just, like, a cash grab thing, just just, just start getting that off the ground before this... Just, yeah, just, just, just to... Because, like, 
Ridley Scott hasn't made a profitable movie since Gladiator, and that was like like ten or twelve years ago. And since then, he's done a, a bunch of great smaller projects. He's done a bunch of great personal projects, which are huge, like Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, that that was kind of interesting. Thing. That, fair, that was big budget, but also a personal project. I think Kingdom of Heaven lost him want, a lot of money. They wanted Kingdom of Heaven to be a big thing. Yeah, but um, I'm kind of wondering if yeah, uh, like no one explicitly states us this in in any of the. Well, no one's gonna. In any of the yeah Prometheus special features, but I kind of wonder if that's kind of the unspoken thing where he just kind of like not like very cynically because he's always talked about how he's wanted to go back to oh, the yeah. Alien. This is not news that he always wanted to make an Alien movie for the longest time. He always said he wanted to come back and do Alien Four and then bring in uh, James Cameron. They could do Alien Five. Yeah, kind of do what they did with the first two movies where like James Cameron just follows up whatever like Ridley Scott would do with like an Alien movie, but that never happened. Well, I, I will say this: Ridley Scott talking about doing a Blade Runner sequel yeah. out of the blue. Well, that's that the other thing. It is that's... not him. I had an idea that is him like because he came out and said pretty openly he's like yeah i could i'd make another blade runner movie yeah and they're like what's your idea i don't know you know something blade that, that, that that's what it sounds like we kind of did with prometheus because like yeah. that that and and like, i'm only basing this on the fact that like yeah with the the interview with the with the, the commentary with this original writer the fact that like ridley scott was like i want to make another alien movie again i don't know what about just write me an alien movie because the guy talks about his like this original writer it was his original idea to say hey well let's make it a prequel and like all the yeah. story beats in the in the finished film of Prometheus are all his ideas. It's yeah. just like when they decided to not make the movie about aliens specifically, that's when he left the project. That's when they brought in Tim and Lindelof to kind of like make it more yeah. just abstract in terms of what the movie's going to be about. Yeah. And so yeah, like I don't want to make it sound like it, it was a like I guess it it's... was kind of a cynical crash grab. But like the movie makes a lot more sense when you realize. And the other thing too is listening to the commentary of Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ridley Scott, the last commentary of his I listened to was Kingdom of Heaven, and listening to the commentary from Kingdom of Heaven, he sounds, like, really into the movie, and really... Yeah. He's talking about all his different influences and stuff like this. His commentary for Prometheus, granted, this is six or seven years later, and the dude's already old, but he sounds a little more like an old man, and he's kind of doddery, and he's kind of, like... He just keeps, kind of, like... He, he keeps on talking about these vague ideas he had for Prometheus that, that weren't really developed. Yeah. Like, he kind of talks about, like, oh, there's Vickers... Uh, she's blonde, so I thought maybe she could be like a robot too, and uh, maybe we could try to trick the audience into thinking she's a robot. Uh, she's probably not a robot. I don't know, but like, I don't know, but I thought that could be interesting. But it's never like, yeah. And I can see Damon Lindelof. He gets so much shit for how terrible this movie is, and squeezed between Ridley Scott wanting to do, do, do this movie, but not really having the incentive to kind of really think things through. Yeah. And also, he's a huge Ridley Scott fanboy, just like everybody else. Yeah. And, like, he's a huge fan of the Alien universe. Yeah. That like, he kind of got squeezed in the middle between, like, Ridley Scott being kind of this older guy who's kind of, like, half-assing in this movie a little bit. Dude, being a versus... script doctor, doctor is, sounds like it is the worst job in the world. Yeah, and so that's my ultimate takeaway, is watching, like, all this... Prometheus bullshit is like yeah. I like I, I I blame a lot more like not I hate to say blame because it's not like a fucking cinematic hate crime but this seems more like if you really kind of look at it it's more just really Scott kind of just kind of just gaffing about yeah gaffing about but it's so and, pretty that's no, the thing I can't but this is such a pretty movie and watching Prometheus I watch it three times row because it is so pretty and there's some great ideas and stuff like it's it's, it's not a bad movie I just it's just not a great movie everybody everybody can't get over how dumb they think it is to, they just the shit characters on it are still but that's but I don't, that's the funny thing where characters well and did you have you seen any of the deleted scenes there's a couple things in the deleted yeah. scenes which actually explain yeah. uh, like the the one of the big things everyone points out the fact is the biologist guy on the ship he's one of the two guys that runs away from the rest of the crew and gets mm -hmm. lost and gets mm -hmm. ends up being killed by the the dick snake or whatever the mm -hmm. hell it is 
And everyone's wondering, well, like, why he sticks his face in front of this alien cobra thing? Mm-hmm. And there's this great little deleted scene. It's very tiny, but, like, where they find a worm on the ship. Yeah. And he's like, holy shit, it's a fucking worm. And they're like, well, that's a fucking worm. He's a shit. He's like, you don't realize we've never, like, in the whole history of human exploration, we've never found anything on an alien planet, anything bigger than a bacteria. Yeah. And so he's excited to find anything living. Yeah. So that at least explains a little bit more of why that guy, like, just sticks his face in, into a snake. Yeah. Face. Um, I'm just saying, you know who signs up for an expedition for four years to yeah. go to the other side of the galaxy? Not the A-team. <laughs> also, that's people, good, that's people all... who are not even told what they're going exactly. for. Exactly. This is like the Z-team, dude. Uh, but but that, that, I mean, Prometheus is a uh, perfect case of if, 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 if the audience doesn't believe in the characters. Because really, that's the only problem people consistently have with that movie is the characters have their behaviors. And like I said, some of the deleted scenes kind of make sense out of more stuff. Uh, there's a great deleted scene between the captain and, you know, Vickers, who's Charlie Theron's character. Oh, Elba. Where he has, mm-hmm. he actually kind of like spells out the whole point of the movie where he talks about how he used to be in the military mm-hmm. and he used to actually, he was uh, attached to this uh, army base where there was a contagion uh, an outbreak of biological warfare there. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, like, he pretty much says, well, this looks like, this is exactly what we found. This is the, just the alien version of that. But he has this great scene where uh, with, with Vickers where she kind of comes out cr- across a little more sympathetic because she's kind of freaked out because she just, she had to kill, was it Holloway, uh, Dr. Boyfriend? Yeah. Oh, man, and Dr. Boyfriend, the original version of the scene where right before they have sex mm-hmm. in the movie, he's such a super dick. He comes across yeah. worse in the deleted scenes. He had to go back and refilm a couple of the scenes to make him less of a dick, yeah. which is funny because in the original cut of the film, he come, already comes across as a like, self-absorbed dick. I was going to say, dick. he seems like an They asshole. had to fix that. So like even in the like original cut, you would have just wanted to strangle the shit out of that motherfucker. I'm, see, Foley told me about that scene, and to me, it made more sense that, again, you don't go across the galaxy unless your life is so broken. Yeah. That seems like the best but idea. the unfortunate thing is this, like, this version of... The scene where, right before they have sex, where, like, Dr. Boyfriend kind of... Dr. Boyfriend. Well, that's what he is kind of... It's so expendable, too, which kind of yeah. cracks me up. But at, the original version of the scene, which they didn't refilm, like, his monologue for the for, for the uh, for, uh, for the final version of the film. But he does explain how bummed he is that they found uh, just another planet of the corpses and there's yeah. no one live to talk to. Which yeah. is still kind of petulant. You've... You, he's a guy who's gone from like this really janky, just like running around in caves in Scotland to riding a billion dollar ship to the other side of the galaxy to look for yeah, aliens. Because he thought he was going to go and get to talk what to aliens. Douchebag. They're not the A-team. These are all idiots. I know. Fuck, these are well. idiots who think that going a couple of billion oh, miles through space is going to end well. But some of the deleted scenes <laughs> are pretty cool, though. I mean, they don't, yeah. they, but like, like I was complaining on Twitter, like, I was hoping, I was wondering, because uh, the big thing about uh, Ridley Scott's other movie that we really love, Kingdom yeah, of Heaven, Heaven, is like, you know, yeah. the, there's not just deleted scenes, but there's a whole deleted third of the movie yeah. that once it gets when plugged you, back into the film, it becomes exactly. a whole different the film. The movie makes sense. There's nothing like that in Prometheus, where there's yeah. some bits that get, like, that patch up some parts of the movie, but it suddenly like, doesn't click and bless turn you, into, Bill, like... Bless you for wanting in your heart yeah. to find a but magic bullet. Heaven, that was a movie that I think really Scott really had a fire under his, uh, his yeah. ass where he really had passion for that yeah. project and so like th- that movie really did work even though like some of Ridley Scott's movies aren't that well written but at least it, when his, he's invested in the movie I oh, think yeah. it's less likely to have weird plot holes and kind of weird arbitrary yeah. character stuff but yeah, we're talking way too much about Prometheus but no like I have come to terms with Prometheus <laughs> I no longer hate the, the fact that like the fact that I'm a bitch about it, it too much, but I, I really was me just watching uh, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula at the end of watching Prometheus three yeah. times going oh my god this is the new Bram Stoker's Dracula Fully pretty but I, stupid Fully and I were talking about this last night in an unrelated way yeah so the way I feel about Prometheus is the way I feel like the movie Fully movie watched last night 
Better than chocolate. <laughs> I have never seen better than chocolate this before. Like a, what the hell? Better is this? than chocolate is a late '90s Canadian um, love story about two lesbians. Oh yeah. And we're watching this movie, and this movie is really not very Aww. good. But Foley and I are talking about it, <laughs> and it's kind of like I talked about gaming, or it's like you know when you like something. Like let's say you want to watch a movie about lesbians that's happy. Yeah. You're gonna have to lower the bar, <laughs> you know. It's like there are there not a lot. It's, you do not have a wide. There's not a huge buffet table. There's like you know a card table with like an open can of beans and maybe a single toothpick, and you gotta eat what you got, right? Yeah. So um, better than chocolate is not a steak dinner. It's definitely a, a whopper. But it's a um, what's um, it's a so it's about this uh, like uh, girl and she leaves college and she's living in like uh, I think she's living in Vancouver. Canada and uh, she's working at a gay book club and she's coming out to herself and coming into her own her mom calls her and her mom's life is falling apart and girl lesbian is all like oh I've got a cover my life isn't together I have this huge place life's great mom goes great then I can move in because I'm leaving your father and so mom shows up and lives with her what's great is that this is kind of the premise of an actually really good lesbian romantic comedy called Saving Face that I've probably talked about before it's about a young lesbian doctor who is not out to her super conservative mom. Oh, you know what? I think I've seen this, yeah. Saving Face is one of my favorite movies in the world. This is not a very good... But it cracks me up that there are literally two two movies with this pretty much same plot. (laughs) But what's great about Better Than Chocolate is that there is a character in it who's trans and is actually played by this great trans lady. Like, she is so great. And um, her subplot is so much more interesting to me than the actual plot of the movie because she has a crush on the lady who runs the bookshop and, like, tries to have a relationship with her, but the lady who runs the bookshop is a lesbian and is kind of freaked out by the whole idea of being in a relationship with a trans person. And, um, like, it's just... And and then the the trans, like, Judy is her name. Judy meets um, the protagonist's mom and they hit it off and they're actually really good friends. And so there's, like... And they're both suffering. And and it's, like, that that story is so much more interesting to me. And it's so great. My, um, My wife's big pet peeve is trans characters in movies or TV shows that are played by, like, just... Like, let's say if you have a trans woman and it's just played by a woman. And she thinks that's really... There's shitty. a Star Trek The Next Generation episode just like this. <laughs> is there? There's, the, there's an episode where they find a... Well, actually not quite just like this, but it is kind of... Uh, they find a planet of androgynous people. Mm-hmm. They're quote unquote, Of course, they're all played by females because, like... Because that's Riker right ends up banging on one of them. <laughs> and because he bangs her, so she suddenly becomes not androgynous. She's like, I think I can identify with the females of your species who find you attractive. But, of course, the, 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 the interesting thing would it do, thing would it have was to ha- get a, a guy to play that role. An androgynous mm-hmm. guy, but of course I'm not going to do that because that's kind of fruity. Yeah. So they got a lady who just looks like a, like a Portland dyke. <laughs> She's got like a bull haircut. She's like, I am androgynous. I'm Man. not going to rock it. But anyway, Better it's not Better than chocolate is so hard to watch because it's very earnestly Canadian. Canadian movies are great because they're so <laughs> earnest. What was this 1999, I think. That's perfect. And it's 1999, so it's all big baggy pants and, like, je- like bleached jeans Man. and shit. However, every time it started getting too much, Christina Cox, who plays the, the love interest... That's not the chick from Friends, right? No. I think her name is Christina Cox. Or is that a porn star? No. No. She hasn't, she, she's, been <laughs> no. In, she's been in a bit... She's She was in, uh, apparently, the Chronicles of Riddick movie. Oh, no. She's got guns, son. Every time something dumb happened, I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. Real this guns or sex guns? And, and flex, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah? I'm gonna keep watching. I just assume sex guns are She's boobs. also got nice lips. 
Anyway, so I looked Aww. her up online as we're watching this Aww. movie, and it turns out that she was in the, a pilot for a show on UPN that was, um, this pilot was, was filmed in 2004 that did not get picked up. It's a movie, or a TV show called Nikki and Nora, like Nick and Nora, but not because they're both ladies, right? Yeah. It is about two cops, lady cops, in New Orleans that are all not only partners, they're also partners, wink. Really? And it's just an excuse to have two ladies solve mysteries, but also bang each other. It's a good thing it didn't take off, because it, being on a UPN, it would have been around for six months if <laughs> well, I canceled it. Well, what cracked me up is watching it, because it's all on YouTube. You yeah. can watch the whole pilot. It's not very good. The most interesting part of it is that it is about lesbians. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, what's hilarious is that it's totally a UPN show, so it's like... Aww. They got all the music and everything, like all the That's pop right, music That's right, that would have been on the same time as like Voyager or whatever, yeah. I, just, I, wish, I wish I lived in an alternate world that that existed, though, because it would have been a drama, a, a show on network television where the protagonists are lesbians. I suppose you don't see more network television these days that's still, at least, because the gay things, gays are becoming more acceptable in media these days. And Not there's nothing more acceptable than gays that are lesbians. You say that from the perspective of a dude in Portland, Oregon. I I'm the one. I'm the one whose opinion counts because I'm on the central of all media. I'm like, you gotta please me. I'm, <laughs> You're literally. I'm 18 to 34. Actually, no, I'm not. <laughs> oh no! I'm falling off my perch. There you go, Bill. You're <laughs> fucked. You're demographically fucked. No, but like, there's well, now. It's no. again. I feel like when you when you want to have positive drama about gay characters, you, you go to UPN. <laughs> you can't be picky. That's all. That sounds really it's sad, we, Where'd you hear about the movie from? Sweeter than chocolate. Oh, sweet. it's a, it's apparent. Foley was telling me that she was she was um, completing my circuit of. <laughs> oh, it's just something movies. fully knew fully knew about. Okay. Well, she's like Bound and Better Than Chocolate. Those are the two lesbian movies. Uh, Bound was good. Bound we is about actually it. good. Bound is empirically good. It's a good movie that happens to have girl kissing in it. And See, Pants. that's the problem with most gay things is that it's like you know you, you can't you have to have like you have to tell a good story that happens to have. You can't gays just be gay it, stuff, yeah. As exactly, opposed yeah. to being a gay story, that was my issue with Better Than Chocolate. You can't just have a movie where Keira Knightley's topless. <laughs> Bill says feverishly, wishing her, that was true. Showing her mosquito bites. <laughs> you have to have justification for it. Why do you go to a Kieran Knightley place? <laughs> oh, we're you trying to remember Anne Hathaway's name and you couldn't. Is so. she making anything? <laughs> I don't know, Bill. I would ask you that question. Let's go to Mr. Skin. God. Anyway, I saw, so I saw a photo of Rachel Weiss in skin tight silver rubber. I have no idea if that's a fake photograph or not. Wait, no. Is it the picture where she's in the latex, like uh, Emma Peeler from the side? Yeah. Is that her? Yeah. Because we've seen her butt. She's got normal lady butt. <laughs> to be fair, that was a much younger that's, picture that's of Rachel Weisz. That's also from Weiss. the side, too, so yeah. God knows. They probably taped her butt that picture up or show, like every, that. I occasionally look at Tumblr tags, and occasionally I look at Rachel Weiss Tumblr tags, and every time that one pops up, I'm like, come on, I guys. can't believe how much my affection for a lady goes up when I realize she has normal body parts. <laughs> Oh, last week, because we were, we were both jerking each other off about Evergreen last week. Yeah. So when you left last week, I was like, oh, let's type in Evergreen nude just to see what happens. Yeah. I found this great photo of her, like, at the beach just a couple years ago. And, like, it's a, her from behind. She's, like, wearing a little string bikini. She's got a little thong. But she's got total normal, like, lady butt. Where's a little bit of... It's got... It's a little dumpy, you know? Not dumpy. But it's not, like, this perfectly sculpted, like, no. Photoshop ass. No. She's got some feather butt. You can move her butt cheeks around and kind of slap them together and go... Blah, 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 blah. She got lady. She got normal human butt. Well, how did how did fully describe Ava Green? We were talking to someone about Ava Green the other day, and um, she said, "Damn, that girl's fine, even though she has car door ears." <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
was amazing. Everything's that bad? I never noticed. Jesus that Christ. That just cracks me up. Because Eva Green seems like she'd be skinny as a stick, but maybe she was back in the day, she's but now just, she's... She's like 35. She's, yeah, you know, she's you're allowed 30s. to have shapes. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, friends, and that spent, was apparently... I spent too much time talking about Eva Green, but... <laughs> <laughs> What's it called when you got not cellulite, but you get kind of like the texture on your butt? I'm pretty sure that's called cellulite. Older. Is that cellulite? Yeah, just a little bit. I was like, just I can't believe like it. And my texture. Maybe that's not as hot as having a super tight ass. It's, a, it's, a it's normal. Person. You want to you want to high five your butt cheeks? <laughs> you keep on eating candy. Friends, on that note, we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back and talk about the Geek Week in review. Minute spoilers for Prometheus. I saw this great uh, uh, theory about why the engineers want to kill humanity so bad on uh, TVTropes.com. Was essentially, um, yeah, es- imagine that you have like rats in your yard, a bunch of vermin. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to kill those rats. And you said, okay, I, I'll, but I'll kill those rats later. I'm sick. I got to take a nap for 2,000 years. And you wake up, and not only are rats in your house, they got into your gun drawer <laughs> and have learned, evolved enough to learn how to f- use your guns against you. Well, it's because the, 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 the it humanity, is a bioweapon facility. Humanity has made it to reach them. To, yeah, has reached their bioweapons facility. So that's yeah. uh, more justification as to why that last engineer wants to actually hunt down Numi Rapace before she. I had more brisket. It's doing it to me before oh, no. she can send off a signal to Earth saying, "Hey, we've got yeah. weapons here" or something like that. Oh yeah, which that actually makes, makes the ending more interesting. Also, again, with uh, Prometheus deleted scenes, there's uh, her whole yeah, fully told cat and mouse game fight with the engineer, which is because otherwise she just has this axe in the movie that she doesn't use. That pissed me off in the she, movie. She, she Check slams, out that she slams that thing into the uh, engineer's body like half a dozen times. I still want an Elizabeth Shaw with axe action figure, real bad. Like, I really do. I love that. I LEDs. Bleeding womb uh, action. I love the ambient light in that movie. Like, the light in the helmets and everything. Shit. Oh, I just love the golden light in the hypno, in, in, yeah. in the hypersleep chambers at the beginning, where it's, it's all kind of weird and yellow. Shit. And I just even that. the effects of uh, David being able to look into the dream state. Like, yeah. that weird digital ghosting effect. See, I can't, I can't hate on that movie, because from a production design perspective, it gives me the biggest oh, yeah. throbbing erection. I love that movie. Anyway, friends, this is the Geek Week in Review, believe it or not. All right. Oh, Prometheus. Let's start with point one. Yeah, you. Re- re- what else? We should actually just call this part of the podcast, What Else? What else? Everybody uh, stop, what else? Jesus. <laughs> Microsoft <laughs> made its first trembling step towards getting rid of Microsoft Points. Thank God, hopefully. The, the new Windows 8 shop has shifted from exclusively using Microsoft Points to letting people use their credit card to buy stuff, like a real grown-up store. But so far, this is only on the Windows 8 shop. Well, although, the, no, they also do this on the Xbox Live, where when you buy full games, you do not... Games in demand. Yeah. So, is, is that for all games in demand, or some of them? Because I know some... It seems to depend it's, on... At least the last time I checked, like, six months ago, it was title by title. Like, Halo Reach is just twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, but if you wanted to buy like Red Dead Revolver, that was still like you know thirty four hundred points. Red Dead Redemption or Red Dead Redemption or something. Really? Oh, I didn't put this on the list. Did you see the uh, Rockstar? 
Oh yeah, the Rockstar Collection. Bundle that's coming out next month. Is, yeah. um, it's Red Dead, Red Dead Noir. and Ellie Noir. Actually, just those two games. Yeah. Ellie Noir's. That's a great... It's a great. It's one not a great game, but that's a, it's great, a great game. It's a fun game to play. It's. I keep thinking about it. When my mom, I want to go back to play that. Too. When my mom was visiting, she asked me. I was oh playing, yeah, uh, some, I was playing. I can't remember what game I was playing at the time, but uh, she said, "I want to see a game that's not violent." And I should have shown her Ellie Noir because she or I mean, there's fighting been, and stuff, but it's not. But that's like, not what she meant. She meant you like can a also game. avoid a lot of the fighting yeah. stuff in that game. If you that game is not about fighting. There's yeah. fighting in it. Fighting is a re- you more more often than not fighting in that game is a circumstance of you fucking up something. It's also padding. Yeah, it is so transparently padding because you know it's a lot cheaper than than doing that goddamn face scan thing on people a shooting sequence. Anyway, yeah, that's exciting. But yeah, anything. Oh man, fuck those Microsoft points. I would love to see like if they announce the new, next Xbox yeah. next year. They're like. P.S. We're just getting rid of the fucking Microsoft points. Yay! Mostly, I hate having to do the math in my head. Well, like, exactly. They, they like, had um, Adventure Time uh, avatar props. Oh, really? Yeah, you may not have noticed. I have a Marceline shirt. Oh, I did. I, I haven't I checked her, in a while. I got her guitar too. Oh, man. Anyway, um, and I was in there, and I was like, I have to do the math backwards. I'm like, wait, how many actual dollars? Three hundred and sixty Microsoft points. Yeah. Well, I downloaded. Uh, I had to buy enough points this week so I can buy uh, this latest uh, uh, Walking Dead expansion mm-hmm. pack and mm-hmm. next month's. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, I was like, okay, so if that's like, yeah. I have uh, one, I have a balance of one Microsoft point. I don't know how. How did you do that? Cause I, I, don't I, know I, I, I consistently have 40. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. What? I don't know how. how? I got, oh, it may be. I'm a member of God of Microsoft's stupid, like, rewards program where they give you free Microsoft points, Maybe but it's like seven. That. Yeah. It must be it. Anyway, in recent Love is a Lie news, Danny DeVito and Perlman are breaking up. I would like to think they broke up just so they could, like, uh, swing. With uh, Lord, Job Lord and, and Amy Poehler. Yeah. They've been together 30 goddamn years. Their relationship was one of the few things where I'm like, love can be real. I think when they saw Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins, they, they couldn't make it work. They're like, <laughs> what chance do we have? What chance do we I have? think, honey, if we can't make it work in 10 years after uh, Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins break up, I love Tim Robbins. <laughs> I just got, I just want you to mention it. You talking about Tim Robbins? He whenever was a hot soccer box. Whenever I think of Tim Robbins, Robbins the duck. all I think about is him in Anchorman, where he plays the PBS anchor. I only saw Anchorman once, like right after it came out, and I don't remember anything about There's it. There's one joke in Anchorman that is my favorite joke in Anchorman, <laughs> where it's all the anchors having. Of a course, it's gonna fight. be your favorite joke. Yeah. All the anchors are having a street fight, yeah. so it's like all the other, the news teams, including the news team from the PBS station, and it's Tim Robbins in a turtleneck, a blazer, and a pipe. <laughs> That's from casting, yeah. It's great. Oh, oh it's man. perfect. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, ben Stiller plays the um, the anchor of the, the Spanish language. Are they still making a sequel to that? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, no, yeah, uh, Danny DeVito and Real Perlman. That's that's <sighs> weird. Who? Why or why? Thirty they years. Break well, can you know. they just not stand each other's faces? Or like, what's the if they can stand each other's faces I, thirty I, years ago? I hate to be all like, well, they're already old and ugly. What have they got to lose by just like living out the last few years of their lives together? Why do you break she, up with anybody? Maybe she saw happy. the Lorax. <laughs> She's like, honey, why are you doing SUV commercials? <laughs> Dude, he's he's busy. He's a foul little man. He's busy doing. Is um, he foul? Uh, he plays oh, foul characters. Is he a horrible are person? You, are you kidding? No, why? He's a, he Bill, He's like your spirit animal. Why? What? He's it's, a terrible well, man. Is he a foul mouth? Have you never read any reviews with him? Thing. Bill, have you never? You, I'm going to find him. Inter- you what? should Google no. Danny DeVito. Who goes out of their way to like read up someone, on Danny DeVito? Well, he does. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. I know. And like, so someone sent me to some interview where he's just talking about raping babies and like. <laughs> and I was like, I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, good. Bill has like a mouthpiece in Hollywood. That's I get to real for a minute after after thirty years. I was like, honey, no more. I'm gonna be you dead in five years. I, I actually gotta get really out of here. like Danny DeVito as a director. 
Did he do Death of Smoochie? He did Death of Smoochie, which is one of my favorite movies I in know the you're world. Bring it up. And also, what? Matilda is a really good kids yeah, movie. Was a real problem in that too? She was. She played yeah. the door. <laughs> the door to Matilda's room. <laughs> isn't Matilda? All right, what else? Isn't Matilda the girl with a hat? Is that what <laughs> no. that is? Who's the little girl with the little red dress and a hat with like a little tag sticking? It's not out Matilda. Of it? That's not I know. Matilda. I can see who it is. What in did Marshall? Is yeah. it something like that? It's another, like, it's like, is it like a French thing with a girl with one name? <laughs> no, Matilda is about the little girl who's, like, um, adopted, she's, like, adopted by this terrible family. Oh, I thought Matilda. Danny DeVito and Drea Proman, actually. I thought the one was where she, she grows up in a terrible family and they get killed by Gary Oldman. <laughs> I have no idea what joke you're making. It's a professional joke. <laughs> Natalie Portman's character is called Matilda. In that, oh, she, so, yeah. No, Matilda is a great little kids movie. It's yeah. actually really well done. Matilda. And uh, yeah, but, and Death of Smoochie is one of my favorite movies of all time. Jean Renault, he gets he gets the piggy <laughs> oven mitt, and he's all like, just about the professional. Matilda, I'm a little piggy. All right, all right. That's the best thing in the world. Also, that's like what jail bait is. <laughs> Annie was describing to me what jailbait on Reddit.com. I was explaining to Bill about the whole Gawker Reddit controversy thing. The fact that you really had to explain, because for some reason I've always assumed jailbait is Why did I over have to 18 models to you pretending to be kids. I didn't realize jailbait actually was like, here's a photo, here's essentially Nat- all the clips of Natalie Portman in the profession. You've been on Reddit all Which this time. Which is funny, because in high school I knew people were jerking off to Natalie Portman and the professional. Granted, we were only six or seven years older than she was. So technically, it wasn't technically. like... She she could not have been our child. <laughs> so it was kind of like... Yeah. <laughs> Is that your cutoff point, Bill? <laughs> if, I, if I physically cannot be... Is it okay to want to have sex with a 12-year-old? If she can be my daughter. <laughs> if not, then at least she can masturbate with a clear conscience. I'm going to walk away from this one. Oh it's weird to me that I explained to you what jailbait was, because you've been on Reddit for years now. Yeah, but I just stay away from all like the political stuff or anything where people are like upset yeah. about like our perceptions of Reddit and stuff. Yeah, I just... No. I use it for funny cat videos. <laughs> gifts of people like shitting and barfing. And oh man, I found this one great animated gif oh, of this guy making hot cocoa in his butthole. What? I don't want to know. I only go on... It's I, like Goatsy, but... I only go on Reddit. Quick. I go on Reddit for... Um, uh, there's a really cute Reddit called Actual Lesbians. Yeah. Mostly I just think it's adorable. I go to Reddit like maybe once every... Like, Is there any good days. lesbian porn on there or anything? I don't know. Dude, I don't want good on, lesbian porn. You were telling a... me about like how you like to... Did we talk about this on the podcast last week? About how you like to use video porn? Yes, we did. Use video porn? It's one of the many things that I I regret. I went looking for video porn last week. Yeah. I couldn't find anything that wasn't just like like spam and shit like that. You have to know where to go. You have to send me some links. I'll give you a list. Yeah. Favorite, send me all your favorites. All your upvotes on Reddit of lesbian porn. Oh man, did I tell this story? Did I tell about what happened with, um, I'm not going to say who, but I'm just going to say an adult (laughs) that I know and their computer. Did I tell you this? Jeff Parker. No. An adult that I know that requires of me for tech support um, had a um, virus, and I had to go and take their computer. And it turns out their computer they were visiting a porn website, and this virus overtook their computer. And it was a it was a blackmail was virus. It a PC. It was yes. It was a blackmail that's virus. So, I mean, that's like, if you're gonna look for porn on the internet, use a Mac. <laughs> use a Mac. Oh my god! This, this virus oh no! It shut down the computer. And then there was a notice, um, a notice up that says, um, uh, this is the FBI. 
We have got your computer contains this child pornography, thing. all this other stuff. Oh and my send, god! We will press charges unless you pay a three hundred dollar fine that you send to this address. And this There's person no called the FBI <laughs> to find out what was going on. And the FBI person is very understanding and was like, "Is no, this someone I know?" Yes. And he's like, no, it's not us. So I took this computer. I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I took this computer to my local PC shop because I'm not enough of a PC person to be able to, to take off this sort of stuff. There were 32 viruses on this computer because one virus had taken down their firewall and all this other stuff. And so there's oh, it's more like a domino and effect. more. And there were 32 viruses on the computer. It took them two days to get all the viruses off the computer. It was terrible. And what's really awful is that at the end of it, I'm going to have to have a conversation about this person about what porn sites you can visit that will not kill your computer. I can't pause this now to ask you who it is. I got to ask them. <laughs> anyway. It's just like, that's a hell oh, of a man. story. Jesus yeah. Christ. But that's that, that's like, even with a Mac, that's why I don't go like uh, cruising for porn and stuff on the internet. Just because. You got to be careful. Oh, God. Got to be careful. Anyway. Ugh. Um, anyway. What else? Ugh. Blue Sky, the CGI animation studio that made robots and Horton Hears a Hue. Hue. Horn here's, here's a color. <laughs> Hugh Hefner <laughs> is making a Peanuts movie. Horton here's a human. It turns out he's part Ferengi. <laughs> Horton here's Hugh Grant. Is, this is just so flabbergastingly. They're making a Peanuts movie, and like I said, because it's Blue Sky, it's a CGI animation. Well, studio, which been, means is guaranteed. There have been CGI Peanuts specials. I know. Like, like how fondly remembered they are that no one can remember they exist. To other be than the fair, fact they exist as like a trivia. I'm gonna throw this out, Bill. There are, like, maybe 57 Peanuts specials. Oh, I know, and there's only, like, two or three worth a damn. Yeah. Because there's that's literally not like Bill like, Hernandez. There's literally, like, um, uh, uh, obviously Christmas car- or Christmas special. And the, oh, Great um, Pumpkin. This great is pumpkin. Great Pumpkin, yeah. Those are literally the only if Peanuts specials. If you can't get specials. Vince Giraldi, then that's kind of half the point Dude, right they there. couldn't on most of those specials. Either. Yeah. <laughs> there is a proud history of farming out I those I still kids. say, what you the do... The fucking with... MetLife commercials. I, my ideal recipe for a Peanuts cartoon, if you're going to do a, a Peanuts feature or anything, you get Steve Wolfhart, friend of the podcast, Steve Wolfhart, to write it. You uh, get Brad Bird to direct it. And you get Ben Folds to score it. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. It wouldn't be. It would still wouldn't be as classical Bill, as the old school. No stuff. No matter how many but, shitty Peanuts movies they make, they can never take away the two good ones. Yeah, it's like the Star Wars prequel. Exactly, Bill. Yeah. What else? It's funny to think of all like literally. Isn't there, I think there may be at least like thirty specials. And of no, the there's 30 more specials, than that. Yeah, there's really only two that are worth a damn. Yeah. And all I those saw other specials one, right off. There's one that I saw when I was a kid, and it terrified me because there were adults in it. You really? got to see adults in their faces. With all like, like peanuts designed. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're just like giant John, peanuts. John Schultz people. designed like he he like he used to draw adult characters and stuff like that. But not in the specials. And so it's weird. Yeah, I know. In the exactly, specials yeah. is so. But like the icon. earliest days of peanuts. And stuff? It was one about um uh like a, a camp that they all went to, what? and so there's a huge establishing shot of all these kids getting on rafts, and there's an adult standing in the middle with like a clipboard and a and a whistle. Is that one? Is that a newer one? Or is that a one from the? It was 70s? an old one. Yeah, because there's, there's, super... there's one that there's one I used to watch as a kid. That is about like a rant, a, like a rafting race. Yes, yes. Yeah. There are adults. I must have totally missed that, that one because I haven't seen that since like 1985. As, yeah. as I recall, they still talk with that wah 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 wah, but you you don't see them oh, that talk. That is weird because it, it would but make sense because see... it's camp. Yeah. There would have to be adults there. Yeah. There's also one where the peanuts, like, this is released in the theaters I saw when I was, like, five, uh-huh. where the kids go off to France, and there's, like, a fire at a chateau that scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, my God. Man. Adults and peanuts is wrong. But, yeah. You know what? Uh, it could be worse, Bill. It could be a CGI live-action peanuts movie. 
No, well, that was my joke. Is that peanuts come from our, from uh, our their world to our world, quote unquote? And the movie is scored by Nicki Minaj. <laughs> Uh, David Fincher. I would C- love that if they came to our world, they wouldn't be able to understand anything we say because we're all like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> exactly. Like, what? what are you talking <laughs> what about? What happened? I can't now, stand. We, now we have to start rapping before the end credits. <laughs> David Fincher. And it would be like motion capture too, so it'd be extra. Just like, are you done, Bill? What else? David Fincher and CGI Studio Blur started up a Kickstarter asking people to pony up $400,000 so they can make a story reel that'll help them pitch the goon CGI flick at movie studios. Originally, the way people were talking about this, I thought they were going to make a short. Yeah, I had heard people talking about it. I thought that's what it was. Uh, Which, in the end, well, I guess the idea... No, it is just to do a story reel for the whole film that they... I guess they have scripted out and everything like that. Oh, yeah. Which is weird, because David Fincher, he's not exactly poor... And, it, and like, there's a difference between I ain't broke and I'm gonna personally find. I know, but uh, it's uh, it's it's hmm, I don't know. And this, oh, the oh funny it's, thing it's is, totally skinny. this Blur Studio. They're used like they're one of the biggest like animation studios. They did the animation for like pretty much any kind of huge big CGI video game trailer yeah. you've seen in the last couple yeah. years. Like all, all the all the great CGI uh, cutscenes you've seen for like in the trailers for like the Knights of the Assassin's Old Republic, Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, that's all those guys. They do fantastic stuff. But I guess this this would just be like their storyboard artists. They've been stuff. trying to do this for a while. They did a quick um, demo for Comic Con. Well, it, it, really, ago. if you guys want, if you if people want these guys to make the movie, it makes it's a lot more practical for them to try to get the story reel together. It's not as sexy as doing a short film no. because at least the story uh, reel, if that does get picked up, then they've got Got the story real they've already got it like like a part of the film done that's yeah. one step done and like i'm sure if they did get picked up by a studio there would be changes from the studio would recommend like can we make so and so not a zombie can we make yeah. him a communist or like what's you know? with this knifing yeah. i don't like this knifing in this but room. at least that is more practical but yeah forty thousand dollars and like if you donate to the kickstarter you don't get a copy of the demo reel although i'm sure it would end up being leaked online pretty quickly anyway but you just get like the the big thing they seem to be putting out is an art book containing all the artwork that would be going in well at least you know highlights from yeah. the story art reel would be art highlights well, that's, from that. This is, this is, Which is not bad. Well, no, no, no. This kind of like, this is what drives me crazy about Kickstarter. Kickstarter is not a pre-order system. It can be used that that's way. That's why I, but the no, perception... No, 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 no. But that's what people think it is. Kickstarter is about funding people I so know. they can do things. But when you're Kickstarter, in the last a year Hollywood and a half, project though, that's a little weird. It's, that is creepy. But in the last year and a half, it has turned into a pre-order system and it can be used for that. But people now have this weird, it's the whole Penny Arcade thing again. Where it's like, it ultimately is a website where you donate towards causes and things and you don't, it's not, you're not necessarily buying stuff. Yeah. Like that's, it's, it, this is like kind of a perfect example. Well, that Kickstarter, at least there's an end game product here. Whereas yes. the Kickstarter thing, or Penny Arcade thing, which is like, give us money so you don't have so, to see two pixels of yes, ads. I agree. I'm not, I'm the not. The most abstract goal. Yeah. I'm not making an excuse Well, not really abstract, like but like. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was vague. They were pitching an ad free thing and it's not that. Anyway, <sighs> what else? Here's Bioshock. I mistyped. Bioware. <laughs> I didn't read this yet. Bioshock announced Mass Effect 3 single-player DLC. That is amazing. Um, they uh, and Bioware announced Mass Effect 3 single-player DLC that actually sounds interesting. This is the stuff they cut from the game, right? Well, so well, Bill's read my notes clearly. Um, this is so Omega is this DLC. Um, uh, you can help take help. Um, uh, what's her name? Matrix Area? Lady. Yeah. 
you can help her take back Omega. Because in Mass Effect 3, the, um, uh, you meet her, and she has been, Cerberus has taken over Omega, but she's kicked out. Omega is the, uh, was that from the second game? Yeah, it's, it's, it's Gotham. It's the space station. It's the giant Moss Eisley Cantina. Yeah. That's what it is. It's the scum of, uh, the hive of scum and villainy. Anyway, we're, we're Garrus is Batman. So, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. it's interesting because this uh-huh. is this is I, I I've talked in the past that I don't object to DLC for the most part because I have yet to play a lot of DLC that feels like it was missing from the game. But I feel about this DLC a lot. I felt like Lair the Shadow Broker, in that yes, technically it's extra. Yes, technically the story can do without it. But this is core stories about core characters. Well, they set you up for this mission yeah, in the game, but exactly. it just never happens. It's just like, it's like when you meet her, you're like, are you kidding? You're a badass and you would not let this line down. And she, she talks about how she's going to retake it. Yeah. But it's weird. And it's weird. Cause it's like this very deliberately plotted thing because both of them are set up in comics yeah. That you don't have to read, but if you do, then you understand what happens. Because you see her lose Omega to Cerberus in a shitty comic that I bought and didn't really read because it was yeah. bad. And, um, yeah, that I feel really sketchy about this because this is something I feel like should have been in the game. Although I don't think this sounds like, like I'm sure stuff like this is stuff they had to cut out for time. I don't think it's uh, like they. Mm, nec- you, you, you think I, it's something they may have actually cut out of the game just to sell back to the players? Yes. Totally. Dude, it's... That's funny, because I'm usually the first person to, su- to suspect something like that. But considering they didn't have time to put an ending on the game, like, I, I'm wondering <laughs> if Did they have time to not add the Shadow Broker DLC to Mass Effect 2? Because the Shadow Broker DLC made Mass Effect 2 better. Yeah. It made the story better. And again, it was a deliberately plotted didn't thing. Didn't that come out, like, there a year was a later, three, There was, a, like, a three, four-part comic in both cases that yeah. set up this whole story that you have to pay more to play. Is this the first DLC they're charging for? I think there's some multiplayer DLC. So this is at least the first for. single player DLC they're making available. Arrival, right? Arrival was charged. Oh, did that come out? I bought it and I've not played it because I'm done with Mass Effect Three. Everyone's done. That's the terrible my, truth of that. My my mourning period is over. Well, this is this. That's my other bitch about DLC. I I would rather have it be day one so I can just play it and consume it, and then I don't have to go back. But why does it have to be DLC? Just put it. Well, yes, because they gotta make their dollars. That's why. That's like I don't mind extra content being available on day one, but if it's part of the game, I don't have to spend extra money to download it. That's that's. Well, I'll get that, but I'm just saying, ah! if you're gonna charge me for it, let me play. I would rather do it and Sorry. play it. <laughs> I don't mind post game DLC, yeah. but DLC that is in the game, it's like fuck. I gotta find a save file from the middle of the game. Putting a single player campaign stuff into a role playing game that most people finished six months ago. That always seems kind of dodgy. Yeah. Unless it's its own, like, add-on. Yeah. Like, its own quest, like, thing that you could, like, fire up the... Like, like Skyrim, that's great. You don't have to beat the game. Or even yeah. if you beat the game, you can just go and, like, like plug in that add-on and yeah. go crazy with it. Whereas this, you kind of have to, like, like go back to before you beat... I don't know. Yeah. That's just... I mean, they had post-game DLC in Dragon Age... The Dragon Age games. Yeah. And that worked. But I get that in Mass Effect, in both Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, the endings are so, like, this is the end. You can't have post-game DLC. I get that. But I'd rather... But it's still... I mean, that's been a complaint with a lot of Mass Effect DLC, is, like, why do you want to go back after you beat the game? Unless you're just trying to wrap up everything before the next game comes out, but without another new game coming out anytime soon, it's kind of... Man, I'm kind of curious to see how well Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U sells, considering that's yeah. going to be a brand new copy of Mass Effect 3 for 60 bucks. when by the time that comes out, you're going to have them uh, for the uh, PlayStation 3 and the Xbox, you could be able to buy all three games for 60 bucks in yeah. one bundle. Assuming that that's a pretty popular bundle and it's not just a super limited edition that's hard to find. Like... It just cracks me up that every time they add a new console, um, you've missed a game. Yeah. 
PlayStation 3. I have a friend who loves Mass Effect, and it occurred to me the other day that they, she's a PlayStation 3 gamer. She mm-hmm. never played Mass Effect 1. And I'm just like, I can't wrap my brain around, like, her, Garrus is her favorite character. I'm like, but you, you, you don't know who Garrus is. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You don't know who he is. Although, I wonder if somebody who's, like, uh, who, who's, quote-unquote, grown up playing the second and third game, what you, like, how the first See, game See, that's my feel. thing. I don't know. Because it's so mechanically funky. Exactly. It yeah. is hard to go back to. It's, like, we could go back and play because we, like, appreciate the story enough and we know yeah. what we're getting into. Yeah. But if someone who's only started playing with Mass Effect 2... Do you remember how terrible that inventory system is? Yeah, that's oh, what I'm saying. God. And, like, all, like, just, just, just to, like, uh, upgrading your weapons and your powers and everything and everything's just needlessly, like, really baroque. Yeah. Yeah, just, like, man. Oh, it Mass just, it's, Effect. It, like, even, supposedly even for PC... Like, it was a terrible interface. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. All right, what else? This is exciting to me. Um, Lost Carlton Cues, is that you see it? Yeah. Is developing the Six Gun into a TV series for That's NBC. great, yeah. The now Six I'll Gun, have to read it. Dude, everybody go read the Six Gun. I, um, the Six Gun is beautifully drawn, well-written, compelling characters, and just a good, a good old-fashioned comic. Is it just the two graphic novels worth of content right now? Oh, I think they're like six volumes Oh, out. really? Yeah. Okay. I am actually behind, because I caught up to the they most recent the, trade. They are up to the eighth gun. <laughs> I, I'm up to the most recent trade, and, and I have to wait until they put the next trade out, and then I'm going to start reading okay. the monthlies yeah. again. So, um, it's uh, it's a, it's just, I love the art in that. And there, it has a great, um, a very interesting um, female character in it. They do a good job. Uh, something I've been thinking a lot lately is how and I, we talked about this in the past, is the anachronism of female characters in mm-hmm. historical settings, and how do you make a strong and compelling female character without making her anachronistic? Yeah. And they do a pretty good job with her, I think. So, granted, the West is very liberating, because it's, like, a time, of, and it's a time and place where you can is have, like... Is this kind of, like, a steampunky kind of old version of the old West, or is it kind of, like, realistic? No, well, I mean, no, I mean, it's it's all supernatural. Oh, okay. So, where, you know, there are... So, it are... is skewed, but it's not... Well, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, the Wild Wild West. No, know? it's it's all supernaturally. Okay. So it's all like you know, it's about these six cursed guns and like this evil guy who's trying to capture them, and he has all the spirits. It, it sounds very dark towery that way. Yeah, it's it's and it, the art is so fucking great, and the coloring is so great, and the lettering is so great. Holistically, it is one of my favorite comics. If I read Six Gun, can I trick you into reading a Dark Tower book? Nope. No, I even let you after read Dark Tower the Shining. Not read it <laughs> after reading what Stephen King had to say about the Shining. Oh fuck God. you. Where did you see that? comments from Stephen King? Was it just um, Well, Wikipedia? I looked at the Wikipedia article for The Shining, and it was kind of great, because they say, um, in the Wikipedia article for The Shining, the movie, they talk about how, when it first came out, Stephen King was vocal about not He's liking it. loudly well, vocal, Here's yeah. the thing, and then it's like, and then suddenly he stopped, later even calling it one of his favorite horror movies. And then I read, I clicked on the link to the, the, the Stephen King-produced the Shining TV special, and on the Wikipedia listing for that, it explicitly said that one of the um uh the one of the things that he had to agree to to make his own special was With he had to stop being critical of, of of Stanley Kubrick's. He knows where his bread is buttered. He knows what's up. Exactly. Oh up. man. Which, like, I still don't understand, because it's not like The Shining was that great of a story to begin with, like, his book version, and it's not like the movie version's that, like, worse. Like, he, he was he was really upset that they took they they he felt that it was that I guess all I, his supernatural stuff was as a writer movie. I guess that is a fundamental thing yeah. like it is the explanation for everything that happens in the story regardless that's whether or not a third party and that's where I'm like regardless fuck. if a third party likes it or not doesn't like it if that if that's what you wrote though and they yeah. changed something as fundamental I get as that. that yeah but fuck Stephen King for thinking that book that story is better for having the supernatural shit be more I mean P L Travers when uh, uh, Disney made the Mary Poppins movie yeah. and they took out the pussy wagon. <laughs> She was livid. 
What else? The guy who created the HBO show Carnival oh. is making a Dracula show for NBC, which has the potential to be cool, but will probably die a quick and deserved death. Yeah, it seems like NBC... I think, is NBC also doing... There's going to be young and sexy... Uh, who's the guy who invented stuff for Ezio? Leonardo... Is that the Caprio? I was about to say... Could you see it in my eye? Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, There's going to be a sexy Leonardo da Vinci show, I guess. What? About, like, hot, sexy Leonardo da Vinci, like, all twilighted oh, out. Oh, God. And so I guess it's going to be also Dracula. Well, I, I don't know. I have no idea who the guy who invented Carnival was or what else he's done. But Carnival was interesting Carnival. enough. Carnival. Bill and I, when I think when I first moved to Portland, you and I were obsessed with Carnival until it went off the rails. Because that is show, it's a, it's like the the gimmick of it. Andy, that show went off the rails like before the first act break of the first episode. It <laughs> go off the rails. We, but but I remember just... we were just waiting like, it, maybe it'll, maybe, no. We we're just waiting for it to coalesce into something that it never did. <laughs> never it was did. a fun show to watch. It was, well, well, it was such a great, just, texturally yeah. such a great show, yeah. And like the prim, like the pitch of it, that's another show I think where if you took out, the, like it's too much spelling out of supernatural shit just made yeah. it dumber and dumber. Man, I would like to visit like the alternate dimension where HBO can't afford money for f- cool intros for its shows and see how well sh- any of those <laughs> shows actually do. Because like, yeah, Carnival had a great opening oh, sequence designed by that same company that also did Rome and Game of yeah. Thrones. And that was also, just, that was evocative enough that too. Was. That was also kind of great. And the music and, was good. Yeah, was and, like, the, 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 Clancy Brown. Yeah, Clancy so the, Brown, man. man. So, Clancy Brown as a priest who is yeah. also the devil. I guess yeah. that seems to be what's more. No, yeah, thing. he's he's though. Man, see, I with with the supernatural shit. I I don't know. Maybe I just have a very particular palate. But I will. I whenever you start spelling out the rules of supernatural shit, I lose interest. I just realized Clancy Brown is also. He was on Lost, which we already mentioned. Yes. Does he? Does he was he the, voice the voice of, of Mr. Crab. Yes, he. Uh, I think was it him or was it Ron Perlman? I thought it, uh, I can't. No, it Ron was Perlman, That's Brown. way too as as much of a Hellboy fight that the Brown. goon is. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. Clancy Brown. It was Clancy Brown and Frank Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Any week where we can uh, name drop uh, Clancy Brown three times. Clancy Brown is the best. I remember when I realized that Clancy Brown was the voice of uh, Mr. Crab on the uh, on SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh yes, he is. I've never seen the, the show. Treats. That's I love Clancy Brown. I love the fact, oh, Jesus. Clancy Brown is a, he actually does a lot of voiceover acting. Oh, yeah. Didn't he do the voice of um, Lex Luthor on uh, the. He um, may have. He says, yeah, that seems to be his big. Well, Superman. once you get older, I guess it's easier to become a voice actor rather well, than just like. Well, voice work is great. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's hard work, but not to dis- diminish it, but, you know, you go in and you do recording for two weeks and, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the lady who wrote the making of Mary Poppins' movie, Saving Mr. Banks, <laughs> is writing the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which means we'll have to mention we'll mention that goddamn book two weeks in a row on the podcast, and now I want to fart myself to death. I just love, uh, because this will bring, uh, assuming Emma Watson ends up becoming star of the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which now sounds like it's not likely. Of course, I, I wouldn't even keep track of Fifty Shades of Grey casting news forever, because the rumor this week is going to be Mila Kunis. Is it actually, or are you just making it No, up? that's what it is. Yeah. Emma Stone's, like, old last week's news. Fuck that shit. But I love, if it was Emma, what, is it Emma Stone? Emma Watson? Emma Watson. Who's Hermione? <laughs> if it Emma was Watson. Hermione, it would be the same lady writing about Mary Poppins. Her already gave a whole generation of Americans kind of weird, like, sexy uh, mom boners over English women accents. Like, I officially have no idea ago. what you're talking about. No! Oh, because Mary Poppins gave people boners. Boners, yeah. There's a whole generation of people grow up, yeah, hearing the English ladies with the English accent. Between that and, like, Emma Peel. We're going, Man, Emma Peel. And now that Emma Watson is, like, the new lady who is giving kids, I guess, boners over English accents, it's funny that she would also be tied in this project. 
Bill, I just me. want there to be. I just want uh, who's Bert to show up with magic handcuffs that also make music. Who's Bert? <laughs> you just. I want who's Bert to show up. Bert from Mary Poppins. I know who you're talking I want about. Those Fifty Shades of Grey with Mary Poppins. They say uh, he's trying with the from... reanimated corpse of uh, Dick Van Dyke. But Mary Poppins are like. Hello, Bert. What are you drawing on the chalk drawings? She bends down, and it's the most. He's drawing like goats. What else? Bill, the ex- most terrible. Explain like, to me what Superior Spider-Man turns is. Turns out Bert is part of the. Bill, explain to me what Superior Spider-Man turns is. Turns out Bert is part of this jailbait subreddit, and that's what he's drawing on. He's he's asking for not change, but for upvotes. <laughs> Bill, explain to me what, what Superior Spider-Man is. <laughs> Did you read about Superior Spider-Man? No, I, I kind of... was it name, Superior Spider-Man? Yeah. Dude, that my favorite comic like, is Ultimate Spider-Man. That's not that any better. That sounds like a Duncan Hines cake recipe. Sit <laughs> like my superior yellow cake mix. It's my superior <laughs> Spider-Man. Bill, what is Superior Spider-Man? I didn't read the article. So, oh, us. Did you? <laughs> Bill? I read enough to see that they're rebooting Spider-Man. I thought it was Peter Parker, but it turns out I'm wrong. It's a new Spider-Man who is darker. Uh, he is now more like arachnid. Like, I don't know where his shit shoots out of, his web fluid. Yeah. I'm assuming it's still out of his wrestling. I'm assuming they're not going to they're get, gonna... get, get that body horror about it. But now he's got a big, like, claw toe on his foot what? that helps him climb. And it's, well, yeah, it's supposed to be a, a more evil, darker... Uh, all they promised is that uh, something bad, something terrible will happen to Peter, Peter Parker in the first couple issues that's never happened. Well, not Peter Parker, whoever's going to be Spider-Man, but Peter uh, Peter Parker, or Spider-Man's going to be yeah, a much more darker, tragic yeah. hat. They're, especially trying, they're trying to Batman Chris Nolan up Spider-Man. Literally the point of Peter Parker is that terrible things happen to him all the time, and he's a good and guy. And he rolls with the fucking punches. Yeah, that but is that's, the point. When I Peter heard Parker. about this, that's why, like, I, I was on uh, online. I was like, you took your one of your few, like, really rel- like uh, relatable character, funny, yeah. relatable characters, and you're turning them into goddamn Batman. Yeah, that is not what anyone wants. Nope. It's yeah. This this, this Peter this, Parker this is last. Supposedly, whoever's writing, whoever they answer writing on this, like I saw people were like, "Oh my god, they're getting this shithead to write it." So does it, even from the fandom, uh, hardcore comics people are just like, "What the fuck is this?" It's almost but like... yeah. He's darker, more badass, and he's like he's got goggles on his eye. Not goggles, but like it's more like even a suit is more high tech. Like he's got like little like like despite the fact that he's supposed to be more spiderific, which you think he would be given better eyesight in the dark, instead of he's got more like. <laughs> he's got like seeing the dark shit on goggles on his glasses and stuff like which is more batman-y and stuff and it's just more like man it's it's obviously like it's like somebody who makes spider-man marvel marvel saw like uh like the christopher nolan batman movies like, we need a spider-man that's more like this and it's just mm-hmm. like man you're missing the total fucking point so what else the bbc is releasing a 41 disc yeah box set containing the first six seasons of doctor who on november tw- november 20th for 250 yeah pretty much everything uh, all the doctor who though, up until this this most recent okay season. i was gonna say when you say the first six seasons of doctor who you mean the first the, six the, seasons the first of, the new of the new stuff doctor yeah. Who? yeah so does this go back to eccles the first christopher eccles okay. pretty much the first stuff from like 2005 yeah it also comes with a sonic screwdriver that's Very adorable cute. which is funny because i like uh, everyone, I guess, was so uh, wound up about the price of the big Harry Potter box set, which that was like 40 discs, where it was like all the different Harry Potter movies. And that was like 
I think the retail price of that is like five hundred dollars. Yeah. That by virtue of this being only two hundred fifty dollars, I'm like this is this is a bargain. Yeah. Yeah. But still, that Wait. that is like seventy hours of Doctor Who. There's a lot of fucking Doctor Who. But, Dear Lord. Yeah. But that's great if you if 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 you haven't yeah, if you haven't pirated that shit or bought it on iTunes, that's a great way to catch up with that shit. What else, dude? No one's gonna spend two hundred fifty dollars on Doctor Who. It's the people who already like Doctor Who. I know. Or try to give this as a way to gift for friends. Like, yeah, now you can get into Doctor Who. Who do you love enough to spend $250? Fr- people are maladjusted and who don't have, like, proper value of money. Like Bill? Yeah. <laughs> and guess what you're getting like, for Christmas this year? Bill Mudrin? You're getting three of these. Are you looking in a mirror <laughs> talking to yourself? Guess I who? didn't buy the Harry Potter box set. <laughs> Yet. Yet. <laughs> I'm waiting for it to get 5% off. On it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for uh, 7-Eleven to price match Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Looks like the pilot for Brian Fuller's Munsters reboot didn't go too well, as it's being aired as a one-off Halloween special on October 26th with no plans for any more episodes. Yeah, we like Brian Fuller. That's kind of a bummer. Poor guy. Did you see the pictures from that? Well, no. As soon as he announced it, they put out, put out the first, like, like, PR photos of what... It's weird because I forgot it's the fat kid from Stand By Me yeah. and Sliders... As Herman Munster, mm-hmm. he looks like a normal guy, except he's just got like stitches on his neck and oh, really? on his wrists. He's not like made up to look like Frankenstein. He doesn't have bolts or anything. No. Aw. Uh, Eddie Izzard was gonna be a uh, Grandpa Munster. What? And he's okay. He's like kind of a crazy smoking jacket. He looks more like a f- frazzled like magician stoner guy. He's not like the whole Dracula thing. Dude, Eddie Izzard as Grandpa is terrible, but kind of great at the same time. Well, the terrible thing is, I guess, Portia de Rossi was gonna be in this. Really? And I saw that there's like this hot, because like, in the monsters, the monsters have a daughter who's this hot blonde lady that yeah. everyone kind of like, oh, she's she's so the ugly. normal one. Yeah, she's the normal one, but, but like, the rest of the family takes pity on her. Yeah, because like, oh, she's. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Portia de Rossi looks really hot. Turns out that's not her. They actually, I forgot Portia de Rossi. She's playing what? Uh, uh, the Is she monster's Morticia? wife. Yeah, she's Morticia. Yeah, but she looks haggard and beat the shit. I don't know if that's intentional, but instead of like looking like the elegant Morticia that was in the original Monsters TV show, yeah. she just kind of looks like this haggard witch. Hmm. But I have no idea if she's supposed to look like haggard witch. <laughs> she's in the middle of getting a divorce <laughs> from Ellen she and DeGeneres. Ellen are still happy, man. When oh, they break still up, happy? when they break up, I'm gonna fucking kill myself. Why? Well, because that would be like, they are the other Hollywood couple that I'm like, well... See, I don't care so much about Ellen, Portia de Rossi, though. Dude, because they're a prominent, successful lesbian couple. Yeah. Name one other prominent, successful lesbian so they're couple. They're obligated to stay stay together until they're dead, just Please. to prove all the straight Dude, people wrong. Dude, unfortunately, they may have got They may be yeah. in an unhappy But no, she just looked kind of weird, because she did not look like... She just looked like a random person that was on set that day. <laughs> not like the... I'm fine, because that means that Brian Fuller can just focus on his um, terrible Hannibal... Pre- but I'm only interested in it in that it has my girlfriend, Carolyn Verna. Oh, does and it? And it has... Um, what's his name? Is his name Mad Mickelston? Who played One Eye in Valhalla Rising? It's got the... He was ki- the bad guy in Casino Royale. He plays Hannibal Lecter. It's got Buddy Cole from Nick Kids in the Hall. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> the gay guy. Oh God, really? Scott Thompson. Scott Thompson. Well, is the, on like it? They've, they've announced that some of the like no one knows who's exactly playing what, but like some of the uh, some of the major stars on the show are old comedians. I think Michelle huh. Shannon. What's her name from the? I think they announced today uh, from um, Saturday Night Live. Who did the late the Catholic girl who smells her armpits? Oh, uh, what's her name? Um... Michael Shannon. <laughs> I love him too. He's fantastic. No, she's she actually has a serious recurring role on The Good Wife. She's one of the judges. Yeah. Well, I guess she's supposed to show Molly up on the Hannibal show. Yeah, Molly Shannon. That's what. It is. Oh no, it's Anna Gasteyer who's on The Good Wife. But it's Excuse funny. Me. Well, Brian Fuller, he's a smart guy, and he knows that like comedians can like. 
Well, they, if you they, can do they, comedy, you can. Comedy's a lot harder. It, yes, yeah, a lot. It's a lot easier for comedian to make the jump to com- to to drama than it is for most like dramatic actors yeah. to do comedy. So yeah. that's not a bad idea. I'm really dying to see what Scott Thompson does on that, too. I will watch it because Caroline Duran is my girlfriend. Isn't she old now? She's older. Doesn't she have, Are like... Are we all, Bill? Doesn't she have, like, a white a shock of white hair in her pants? Who did you have a crush on? Winona Ryder? Isn't Winona Ryder old now? And she, oh, she got old. <laughs> She's Spock's Isn't mom. Isn't it really difficult Spock. to masturbate? <laughs> 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 I had a black Talk swan. about a perpetual boner killer. <laughs> Stabbed in the cheek and like swan. You're like you're like waiting for the hot lesbian sex to end, so that the writer will show up all sad and broken. You're like I get it, I get it. Mia Kunis has vagina. Come on, you're now in the hospital. Stab Winona yes. Ryder in the face. Yes. That is totally talk about one actor usurping another one Pokemon evolving and, and overtaking the older Pokemon version of itself. Oh, I will say this: so watching oh The Shining made me think about because we talked about how I don't really like horror movies. I the only horror movies I like because now I've made a list in my head. So now it's oops, sorry, sorry, but I didn't mean to poke a microphone. Now my list is The Shining, um, The Orphanage, Orphanato, El Orphanato, and Black Swan. Those are my three favorite you like horror Black movies. Swan? I didn't. Did we see that together? Uh, yes. Because I remember everyone kind of like laughing at it was, that movie. It was, no, it was I, that weird. was an entertaining movie. But the body horror. I think that was the most, I that see was it again. The most effective body horror I've I want to see it again when people aren't laughing at it. Yeah. I also mean, masturbating. <laughs> not me <laughs> masturbating. Ali Corbin masturbating. How's <laughs> that, that scene go down? Dude, that whole shot where she rolls over to mom's there. Uh... Oh, is, that, is she masturbating and she rolls over and her, be- her mom's watching her? Is that no, her mom's happens? asleep. In a, in, a, in, a, in a chair in a room. See, that movie is not very good, Darren but Aronofsky's it's great. out of his fucking mind. That movie is, it's, he, he makes movies that are bad, but great. What's the other body horror? Because you've got, spoilers from Black Swan, you've got uh, Winona Ryder gets stabbed in the face. Well, there's her whole transformation into the Black Swan. And, like, there's, she's, like, the feathers growing out of her skin, and she's scratching it off. Because I remember she turns into, like, a swan at the very last shot of the movie. Oh, it happens throughout the movie. Does that happen throughout the film? Yeah. Okay. Because her, it's all, her gamut, broken-ass little brain. Oh, isn't there something where her legs bend backwards? Yes. But it's, like, really kind of crummy CGI. But, you know, it's it's really effective body horror. It's better that than just adding a couple, like, 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 wax, like, legs sticking out of her knees going, I've got chicken legs! And it's, like, that whole idea of not being able to trust, as a person who has struggled with mental illness, the idea of not being able to trust your perception of reality scares the fuck out of me! You have body horror where you think you're turning into a badger? (laughs) I still only have the desire to eat wood. Badgers don't eat wood! What do badgers do? They're carnivores! Really? Yes! Badgers eat little critters. And, I think, grubs and shit. Anyway. What else? The dude who made the Wing Commander games um, back in the 90s... Yeah, what's up with this? ...is making a new space sim called Star Citizen. It promises a lot of MMO, space combat, deep space trading, etc. Yeah, did you hear? Yeah. Well, I, I, I never played the Wing Commander games. I never played them either, but this my sounds only, interesting. My only familiarity with them is they had full motion video pilot stuff, I believe. Yeah, I think so. And aren't there kitty cats in Wing Commander? Yeah, I think the bad guys are kitty cat space, <laughs> space pilots. And I think Mark <laughs> Hamill was the hero at least one or two of the games. Yeah. Like, it had, like... B grade stars like dude like all uh, like all full motion video games did yeah I'm just saying but yeah no he's coming back and yeah I'm sorry keep on going um uh, the rumor is uh, Val's newest game which is (laughs) Stars of Bathroom thanks Bill Barathrum (laughs) see also seems to be a sprawling space sim game as well it's called Star it looks like you read it like real fast it's Barathrum yeah but it looks like Bathroom (laughs) 
Which I hope it's a, like a portable iOS game. So the idea of becoming a star while being on the pooper, it's the, you become the star of the bathroom. That's also not seems funny. To be a sprawling space sim game as well. <laughs> Between these games and Notch's new game, the world is going to be up to its eyeballs in space sims in the next few years. Yeah, there's also little little smaller games like FTL, but that's FTL. not the same kind of thing. That's Oregon Trail in space. It cracks but, me up that this that some website was spilling all these rumors about this new um, Val game when half the that concept art had been leaked like six months ago. Oh, had it been? Yeah. Was it attached specifically to Valve? Yeah. Well, it sounds like more of the game details actually came out this week. They did not have a title or anything like that. Yeah. But there, there's been like who rumors. knows? This could be something they're just cooking in in house. That they could say, just kill off out. at any time. Guess what? Seven years from now, this game may come the out. funny thing is that they'll only they only put out a game like once every five years. Yeah. But like, I, it sounds like they'll come up with like a dozen game ideas within a course of a year, all of which in different various stages of game development. Some of them yeah. being kind of like half finished. They'll just kill if they don't think it's going to work out right. Yeah. So who the hell knows if this actually? We'll, well, there's also the rumors that the next uh, World of Warcraft game or the next uh, game from Valve, maybe, or not from Valve, from uh, Blizzard, maybe a big like StarCraft game, which would be oh, a yeah. big space. You're you you're big space cruiser strategy space sim kind of game. That seems to be what everyone's... That's, I don't know. Well, that, that, that's been something like back in the days of Star Wars, everyone's always wanted to have a game where you're like, you could be in the... Like, not not only like fighting a... Uh, uh, piloting a fighter ship, but also in command of a giant capital ship. Yeah. And I think that's always been a fantasy ever since, yeah, like back in the 80s when people growing up in Star Wars. And I guess now with the MMO infrastructures, now we're getting developed enough that you can kind of do that a little more. And it's also a nice change of pace from all the fantasy, Tolkien, World of Warcraft kind of stuff. So yeah. I guess it kind of makes sense that like this is the new, the new, the, the new hotness everyone's jumping onto, I yeah. guess. So. Yep. See, that should be what fucking Knights of the Old Republic is. That's what, instead of just being another like, World of Warcraft thing, like another World of, War, World, of, uh, World of Warcraft game, just a reskin with Star Wars. That should have been more of a deep space sim where you're actually in charge of capital ships and fighting and... and name, what, but that's not Bioware. That, the, Bioware's name, all about character and story and kind of like conversational choices. Name one MMO that broke the MMO mold that did well. None. <laughs> Like Eve Online, but not not very many Maybe. have even tried. Eve Online does well, but that's a, that's another big space sim, yeah. Yeah, and they're and they're very niche. Yeah, you know. Well, but n- still, d- nothing has ever even become close to uh, uh, eclipsing World of Warcraft. But I mean, I'm just saying, I can kind of, if you're gonna spend two hundred million dollars on an MMO, make yeah. one at least as a formula. I mean, I can totally get like from just like a financial perspective. I don't know why they ate World of Warcraft, but even World of Warcraft on its way out now. Yeah. Well, that's not one of the terrible things is like it takes also so long for these games to come out. Yeah. That's why everyone's kind of freaked out about what uh, they're doing with the uh, Elder Scrolls game where oh, God. that is such like a stale copy of World of Warcraft, but that seems to have been in development for so long where when they came up with the idea for that, that may have seemed like a hot, interesting idea like five years ago. But the five years yeah. since then, that has become such a stale idea that by the, and like they that they man that game may, may not still come out for another couple of years. Did, still, speaking of speaking of MMOs, and I don't want to really play them. Did you hear about? I, I didn't put this on the news. I should have. That Bethesda opened a new studio, I think in Texas or something like that. Yeah. And the guy they have heading it is a guy with a lot of MMO background, and they haven't said as much, but the implication is pretty heavy that they're developing the Fallout MMO. Oh really? Yeah. Bethesda. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. All they want is is Fallout Three, just with other players. They don't have to do. I don't want to do the idea of a Fallout MMO is so antithetic antithetical to Fallout for me because M- Fallout is. What about... are you talking about? You want to hang out with groups of up to fifty people? <laughs> Fallout is about loneliness. 
That is why Fallout is so effective to me. Fallout is a, cont- is a contemplation of loneliness. That's why I love the old Fallout games. If they could have a thing where, like, instead of everyone just being kind of like the being the main character, if uh, that well, that would be a nice thing if, if if MMOs could do a better job of incentivizing you playing a role within the game that isn't necessarily yeah. a hero. Yeah. Which I guess they kind of did with Star Wars Galaxy, where like you yeah. still had the ma- major single player quest, but you, but you still could open just, a shop. You could and, exactly. You yeah. could like you put down root somebody somewhere, and you could interact with other people who are on the middle of the way, like on the like actually doing the quest. You could argue, and, I think, in a Mad Max like world, everybody is the protagonist, so yeah. that's fine. With well, exactly. Me, that's 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 the kind of take you'd have to do with a Fallout MMO. I would only but be have interested to be... in a Fallout MMO if it were like Journey, where you're like you're in an instance, and there was like six other people there either that or there's not really much of a single player campaign and it is just an environment where you're interacting with other people yeah, and you see, could that's... like you could destroy like you can actually destroy someone else's stuff and take it and build use that to build your own as a defense against other people coming after you but that's not a really story-based role-playing game that's just yeah. horrible shit happening in a digital space there was a comic that came out i think it came out with fallout new vegas yeah. and it was written by one of the fallout writers and it opened with this shot of a city. It must have been supposed to be New Vegas. Mm-hmm. And it was teeming with people. And the Fallout games, it's always been due to technical limita- limitations. They would have big cities where yeah. the text, like everything would tell you how crowded these places were. But they were always still really spare because yeah. they couldn't put that many models on the screen at any given moment. And But that always, like that's what Fallout is to me. Like you can even go to a big, like even in New Vegas or in, in um, Fallout 3, you could go to a po- place with a big population and it still is empty. It's still 12 people at the most yeah. spread out across, yeah. And that's what Fallout is to me. Like an MMO, a Fallout MMO, just it just gives well, me that's kinda the, thing about how a game like its feel may change depending on access to new new technologies and later installments of the franchise and stuff yeah where like yeah i don't know gaming is all about atmosphere character and story to me so mmos hold literally no appeal i think there's a way like if especially if you went after the Mad max route if you really kind of evolved it so like but it wouldn't be the fallout that you're used to anymore on the other shoe but if you made it a social trading game oh man on the other shoe if they made a fallout mmo where people like you, there was some sort of magical litmus test you had to follow, where everyone would had to role play in it. Yeah. Dear God, I would never leave my house. Do you know how bad that would be for me? Because I, I think I've talked to the what past would you be? about my addictive personality, yeah. and that's why I'm not allowed to play MMOs because I will never go outside. Um, and I always want to know what happens next, and I can't. It, it always bothers me. I hate video games where there is a a pervasive time. In games, and, like, if you don't, you're not at a certain place at a super time, certain time, you'll miss something. Yeah. Like, I've never played The Last Express, even though it sounds like it is a perfect game for me. And, like, Jordan Mechner, and, like, the art direction looks cool, and the premise is cool. Then it is a game where if you, you can miss things because of time, that actually makes me insane. Like, to have something that never turns off, Jesus Christ, it is the worst thing for me. Because I have trouble walking away. And what nothing makes me go down the rabbit hole more than when I find like a niche role playing community in an MMO game because I'm like fuck this is it. So if you this found like a sustained me. world in an MMO with an aesthetic <sighs> you liked, you'd be fuck. dead in a week. I would be dead. Yeah, I would be. My wife would leave me. But like my I, house would crumble to dust around me. But it, unfortunately, I think that would be like the perfect maybe not follow game, but like a post apocalyptic Mad Max style game would be like a post apocalyptic uh, prey. Like preying on other people, like scavenger sim game, basically like resource you want, management game, what's where it's not the, necessarily plot related. What's the Arma mod? What's the what's the the thing that everybody's pooping themselves about? Oh, 
There's the mod for that Arma game that's like the zombie mod. Because yeah. Arma is this PC game that's like a hardcore military simulation. Yeah. Where it's like a shooter, but it's like, it's very much so very realistic. And then somebody made a, zo- what is it called? Like zombie, zo- ah, fuck, I can't remember now. There's some listener right now screaming at their computer. What's wrong with you? It's da da da. But uh, no, there's the mod where it's it's a where there are zombies, but mm-hmm. it's uh, you you're in a world and there are like other players in it, maybe only like eight. And so the big threat in the world is not so much the zombies as much as it is other players fucking with you and killing you to steal your stuff and all that. That's what I'm saying. Like, like that would that'd be, be a great Mad Max kind of game. I yeah. would hate it. I could or, never do that. And like you have to prey on smaller people who are maybe newbies and stuff like that to like like get yeah. stuff to defend yourself against other people who are coming after you. Yeah. And you could still have like NPCs and stuff in the game environment just to kinda like mix things up a little bit. But it still would be mostly just like PvP. Just yeah. mostly. Like, but you have to all. make it really easy, like if you get wiped out in the game to be able to respect a new character and jump back in though. Because yeah. Yeah, it's it sounds more like almost like a roguelike where you're not really into the game to last forever, but to see how far you can get with like what resources yeah. you start off and I don't know. Just like Tokyo Jungle. Yeah, kind of like that, exactly. <laughs> but like in an MMO space. No, I got yeah. you. I'm fucking right. What else? Oh, God. Word came down this week that Shigi Miyamoto yeah! is officially leaving his position as head manager of game development at Nintendo in December. Which is funny because it was almost exactly a year ago that Wired Magazine had the interview with Shig- uh, with Miyamoto that pretty much he said this. But now it's just, uh, I guess word came out, yeah, it came down this week. That, but this is official as of December of this year. As of what? Yeah, a month after next. Yeah. yeah. He will no longer be in charge of game development yeah. at Nintendo. He will be tutoring younger developers at the company and dreaming up ideas for smaller, older school style games. But that's exactly what he said last year, too. Which, God bless him. Yeah. He should be. The guy taking over for him is uh, Takashi Tezuka, which has been his his right-hand man in designing all the Mario and Zelda games ever since like, like the, the first Mario and Zelda games like mm-hmm. like 25 years ago. This guy is essentially, if Miyamoto was like, we should make this stage kind of like this, uh, Tezuka was the one who actually said, okay, we're going to put a brick here. Or put yeah. this power up here. He's got really kind of hands-on. Yeah. If you ever got really pissed off at a specific state in Super Mario Bros., you probably blame this motherfucker, then you could probably blame Miyamoto. Yeah. Uh, but I still wonder how much if this is maybe... I wonder if he may be actually just retiring more And this. I wonder how much of this is just spin, because whenever Miyamoto retires, they're not going to come out and say, he's leaving the company, he's yeah. gone forever. They're just going to be like, he's just going on vacation to the mountains to think of more ideas for Nintendo games someday. <laughs> Uh, especially with Nintendo, with its its with precarious, the right now, yeah, right you don't want to be telling people like our head creative guy is just flat out leaving. Yeah, the nice way to say it is, oh, he's just taking a break to mentor the younger people, which actually makes it sound even better because not only instead of spinning it like our head creative guy is leaving, it's no, our head creative guy is watering our flowers of future creative people within the company. So who knows what's actually happening? Yeah, but yeah, so. All right, friends, that was What Else. I officially what? am renaming the <laughs> interview to What Else. All right. We had, oh. we got, so y'all spoke to us over the Twitters this week. Thank Man, you. I feel bad because I'm not top of my podcasting game because my our computer keeps on uh, locking up, and so I keep on looking at the computer to make sure it's not locked up rather than yelling at you. <laughs> so hopefully I'll Don't worry, y'all. This old Bill is angry that he can't talk about magic. We'll come back soon, hopefully. Oh, God. I'll fix um, it this week. I'll be back next week going, yeah! Aries sweetheart Kevin Moore was grateful um, that uh, you can listen to the Boy Howdy podcast, which contains little to no political gabbing. Yes. And That's not a goal. <laughs> no, I can't. No. Politics gives me a goddamn panic attack. So, Who yeah. are you voting for? Is it going to be Coke or Pepsi? 
in the Cola Wars. Um, uh, uh, listener Adrian Wallace asked if I visited the fake concrete Stonehenge that is right near the Mary Hill. Oh, is that where that is? Because yeah. I've heard uh, Craig Thompson was talking about that. You place. can see it from the bluff, like from from the Mary Hill Museum. He, I don't, I did not, we did not actually stop at it. Yeah, we but drove you saw by a little it. Bit, yeah. Apparently, his the the dude who built the Mary Hill building, fucking mine. Sam Hill, his ashes are Sam scattered Hill? there. Sam Hill, not that Sam Hill. I know, Just but still, yeah. Sam Hill. Aww. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adrian Wallace also adds, don't visit Sherwood Forest. Ancient vandalized major oak is sad. That's what I keep on hearing. Oh, it's so the, what? Are everything people carving the most... their names into the trees there, I guess? I, it's just, it's all, it's, I mean, know, it would be a surprise. It's a poor, sad little thing. I'm yeah. just saying. Ro- the, but that, that is a perfect metaphor for Robin Hood. What's the next local uh, Robin Hood festival? Oh, Bill is referring to Sherwood. There is a bunch of um, uh, towns and rivers and creeks in Oregon named after Robin Hood Robin characters, including Sherwood, Oregon. Sherwood being the home of the Robin Hood festival. Is that every four years? Uh, no, it's every year. But you never go! I never, well, no, because it's far the fuck away. Is that always, well, you have a car. It is. I do and have, you have a, a girlfriend willing to drive you. That's true. What you do? Because you don't drive. You be like, honey, so much head tonight. If you drive, the two hours I'll take to get out to Sherwood. That's right. I'll put on my green tights. Nothing makes me hornier than children dressed like Robin Hood. You think there's children? I'm sure it's a bunch of other people just going like, yeah. Uh, That's everyone's right. dressed like Errol Flynn. That's real shit. I just anyway, think Klein's playing old Errol Flynn in some kind of movie. That's brilliant. That's great casting. That's really good casting. He got he got tired of having sex with Phoebe Cates. Now he's coming out of retirement. I don't know what that joke is. He, he, he's married to Phoebe Cates. Who's Phoebe Cates? <laughs> Bill just made this face like he's gonna shit on my oh face. Oh my god! Who's Phoebe, Phoebe Cates? Cates? You, <laughs> you can never... say the higher pitch and I still don't know who that you is. You masturbated to Phoebe Cates <laughs> in 1982? <laughs> That's right, and she's most famous for something she did when you were not even born yet. Uh, Phoebe Cates, she is, uh, she was the chick in Gremlins. Oh, yeah? She's the girlfriend who's like, oh, my dad died, he was Santa Claus, he died in, Do have you ever seen Gremlins? No, I told you about I've never seen Gremlins. Oh my god! That I read the storybook oh when I was a kid god. and it scared the shit out of me. So I'm like, I can never. Have watch you Gremlins. seen uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yes. She's the lady who takes her bikini top off. Okay, I don't remember. I'm not that person. She's like half Chinese, half Hawaiian, half Colombian. So she's got like vaguely hot <laughs> ethnic. Vaguely hot. Ethnic. That drives guys wild. Still. And so yeah, she was like nineteen vaguely and she took her death. she she took her yeah. tops off. Almost said took her tits off. <laughs> she's she a robot. She married to Yeah, and then Kevin Klein hit that shit. So everyone's super jealous of Kevin Klein. Phoebe Cates. I'm good. Yeah, look at that. She's cute. I don't know what she looks like now. She could look like a she's a, she's a snaggle tooth. Just well, there's a picture of her probably from Let me see. Oh, I'm sure like the first image that pops up. She's gotta be in a red bikini. Is it like like It is their Google image search? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Lilum, let me see. I'm not gonna enable you. Oh, is this this might have to be this week's picture. Originally it was <laughs> going to be our picture for this week's podcast for the update was going to be a picture of Tomas, the he- oh, who I think is the hero of the horror film El Orfanato. I agree. Uh turning into uh Corvo from Dishonored because they both wear scary skull masks. It's very funny. Very I like funny. the de- I love this the design of Corvo's uh, skully mask with like the different yeah. sized lenses and stuff. I like yeah. even when he pulls it on. Like, you see the inside of the mask, it's all, like, lenses I wish stuff. I knew more of who Corvo was. Maybe we will during the course of the game, but I... Corv- Corvo Dallas Multipass. 
<laughs> the look of childlike delight <laughs> you got in your face. And you lean towards the microphone. I, I, well, it supposedly talks because he swore from law, so he's got to say, it might yeah. be at the end where he just accidentally stabs sure. himself in the face and he says, fuck. <laughs> and if you're going to have slips. if you're going to have one person, if you have one person, like, actually he just, slips into a pile of rats. Sawyer would be the person you want to hire to just go, fuck. This is true. Yeah. Adrian Wallace also said, um, shit, I, I went away Is he Twitter. teasing you for not knowing who Phoebe Cates is? <laughs> <laughs> who was the hot, who was the hot young boy when you were a kid? The hot young boy. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, <laughs> and it drove me crazy. Yeah, and I, like, that totally shows my age. That's Phoebe Cates, the one on a writer. Those were like the hot ladies growing up. Let's see. For Leonardo nerdy DiCaprio guys. And, and for guys uh, who were art boy students, bands. it was like whoever was in the, the the cherry pie video. You're also asking the wrong person because I did not really was not really feel any attraction to anyone until I was twenty one years old. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Jonathan Taylor Thomas actually he was JTT. He was big when I was young. Yeah. Uh, the new kids in the block. Yeah. Not for you, though, right? No, I wasn't attracted to any of these people. Bart Simpson. all dumb. Bart Simpson. Adrian <laughs> Wallace also said, um, I was enjoying this year's Doctor Who until Angels in New York City came along. All problems of the last season are back. I'm trying not to go off on about this podcast. We're trying to write, wrap things up. <laughs> but they did just put out a, uh, like, day before yesterday, the, uh, they had... How do I even explain this on, on the podcast, which is a long-winded thing? Uh, so they killed off Amy and Rory on Doctor Who. Spoilers. Uh, the BBC put out a... They had a scripted uh, finale for the end of that episode that never got aired where uh, you get to see uh, Rory's dad, what mm-hmm. happens to him when he... Fi- like, how he finds out that his son is never coming home again. Mm-hmm. And it's only, like, a little two-minute bit. And it's weird because they could have squeezed that into... I'm surprised they didn't film this just to make it a short for, like, the DVD box set that's coming out. Yeah. Or just to put online. But they never filmed this little scene. But, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, Rory's dad being, uh, uh, Papa Weasley... Yeah, he just gets a letter from it's a, it's a, it's actually almost like the, uh, the there's something that's very similar that happens in the episode Blink, which introduced the, the Weeping Angels. But yeah, I'm kind of bummed that yeah, it's a very cool little short, but it should have been the original episode. It's almost like Doctor Who is shitty, no good. And I love the fact that as soon as I started talking about uh, Doctor Who, Andy Toons. Uh, <laughs> I'm texting my wife. Do you know my wife? You know I love my wife for so many reasons. This morning she woke me up. She shook me gingerly. She goes. I made some coffee and breakfast. Come play Dishonored. I love that woman. That woman. Ugh. Anyway. Everybody, this is the Boy Hattie Podcast. Um, as always, you can tweet at us. We are at Boy Hattie Podcast on the Twitters. BoyHattiePodcast.com. Howdy at Boy Hattie Podcast. You can holla at us. Um, next week, we'll be thinking more about Dishonored. Honor for our one-year anniversary podcast. Yes. Next week, friends, is the Boy Howdy <laughs> one-year anniversary. I, keeping par for the course for us, there will be absolutely no celebration whatsoever. <laughs> You're talking about, you know what, I, to be fair, in our defense, we're probably the only podcast you listen to ever that's on iTunes where we never ask for po- like podcast reviews or nope. don't rate us. Because we're... Because it's so I, bad. I've never looked at we had, any of the feedback we've ever gotten on iTunes. I'm no, scared to I, see our... I you can't know what? imagine. If we have any ratings or reviews, I don't even want to see what they look like, so I'd be horrified. <laughs> I think we actually have pretty good ratings. I think we have five ratings, and I think we have five serious? stars. Are you serious? And every time I see that, I'm like, you bitches. Oh, God, I don't want to Why are you lying to yourself and others? <laughs> That's what I think every time. Well, you know, we should have an anti-Annie, uh, we should have an anti we should have an anti-podcast anniversary light night. We were like, man, just hit us with our hardest. Look, like, review us, but, like, talk about how much we're, like, we eat the babies. 
Like, episode 42 was great. What when... I was going to say, what I was going to propose is that, friends, if you want to be in, like, uh, uh, maybe uh, send us your thoughts and feelings. Like, what is your favorite Boy Howdy podcast moments? Um, when it ended. When it, when it was done. When Bill got sick and Annie had to record the one by herself that wasn't in the basement. Six hours long. That was my favorite episode. <laughs> That's why all of you like, my favorite ones are the, the, the shortest ones imaginable. Friends, if you have any thoughts and feelings that you would like to contribute to the one year anniversary of the Boy Should Howdy podcast. Should we have people call in? Should we have a call <laughs> We don't know. We're not smart enough to know how to do that. We should have a life tweet. We barely remember to, t- like, hook up both of our microphones <laughs> to the computer. We should have a tweet party where people tweet in us. We should. Oh, you know, we technically, we could do is, I, yeah, how the hell do people live stream tweets and stuff? Like, I like could, podcasts? do you want me to set up a live stream? I could set up a live stream. Oh, we could do that. Are we just, did we just vote to have a live stream that two people could watch? We can make it really simple. We can do, like, a Google party chat thing. Oh, we could just work? take that? We'll, for, we'll, we'll research that this week. No promises, but we'll as at least do always, we're just making this <laughs> shit up as we go. Everybody, oh. thank you once again for wasting your time listening no, to the podcast. No, seriously, thank you. It's really appreciated. We love y'all. We'll talk to y'all next week. Keep your pants on. nonsense. Yeah, a look year. up some Phoebe Cates. You have to educate <laughs> yourself about Phoebe Cates. You know what? I still <laughs> masturbate to I Phoebe know, Cates. I don't know if I'm allowed to make Phoebe Cates the picture for this week. Because I'm like, looking at our history of podcast pictures... And this seems to be mostly hot lady, hot lady, hot lady. <laughs> then a picture of something horrible, hot lady, hot lady, hot lady. Because we already we already had one that was like Rachel Weisz, and then like yeah. Yeah, we're running out of hot ladies things. to make. That's not true. There's a world. There's of always more. We, we we do not have an evergreen. <laughs> did we? Did did you? No, you did. You did put up what's her butt from the Rocketeer. On one of yeah. Them, yeah. That's what, what I said. That was a big one. What are the pretty brown-haired ladies going to be put on this shit? We already Rachel Weiss's uh, Snow White. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, I got to put some Phoebe Cates. Anyway. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye, y'all.